millions of people every day are reaping the health benefits of using cannabis oil also known as CBD. This new product derived from hemp has fascinated doctors and scientists around the world for its powerful effects on the human body. If you are in need of alternative methods for health empowerment, please visit www.naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. CBD is now legal in over 40 states, and our products are non-psychoactive and contain less than 0.3% THC levels. We also offer products for household pets. Naturalhempoil.com does not claim to treat cancer, PTSD, epilepsy, anxiety, insomnia, joint pain, eczema, or any chronic condition that you may have been diagnosed with. Please consult with a doctor before you take CBD. Results may vary, so give our natural CBD a try at www.naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. Visit naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. When it comes to stubborn belly fat, we're all searching for a miracle pill. Generally, you have to use multiple products that target belly fat differently to manage excess weight around the stomach. Some products may focus on abdominal exercises or dietary changes, while others might focus on boosting metabolism or controlling cravings. But believe it or not, I may have found a solution that removes the need for juggling through multiple weight management products. It's called Belly Trim, and it's more effective at targeting belly fat, enhancing metabolism, and promoting a toned midsection better than most weight management products I've seen typically found on store shelves. Tens of thousands of five-star reviews back up the notion that Belly Trim is not only a breakthrough in a bottle, but that it also removes the need for us to use countless diet pills and fat-burning supplements. But there's more. If you place your order for Belly Trim now, you'll also receive 51% off free VIP live health and fitness coaching for life, two free new e-books titled Top 10 Foods That Burn Belly Fat, and Top 10 Exercises to Reduce Belly Fat, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee, and last but not least, free shipping. Simply go to www.trimwithus.com. That's www.trimwithus.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's www.trimwithus.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. Talk to enough people, and you'll soon realize nearly everyone's shocked at their recent electricity bills. Some studies reveal energy costs have skyrocketed by as high as 60% in as little as two years. That's why tens of thousands are installing this magical little device from SavePowerBills.com to help slash their energy bills. This sophisticated gadget stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your appliances and electronics. Simply plug it into your home wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this device is one of the most efficient ways to save money while beating the greedy power companies. But there's more. If you order now, you'll also receive 65% off, fast shipping within the USA, hassle-free returns, and last but not least, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee. Just go to SavePowerBills.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's SavePowerBills.com. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Just recently, a politician was carjacked by three armed attackers outside his home in Washington, D.C. This comes several months after another politician was assaulted in the elevator of her building. Between mass shootings, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjackings, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight has awed people with a wonderful design and massive light output. On top of an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, it boasts powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope cutter, siren, and much more. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this flashlight is the latest and greatest in the EDC market. But there's more. If you place your order for the Fighter Flare flashlight now, you'll also receive 66% off, free express shipping, and last but not least, a 100% lifetime guaranteed replacement. Simply go to www.fighterflare.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. 
www.fighterflare.com. Order now. Something wicked is coming this way, and only fools are ignoring the signs. So it's time you became a financial prepper like thousands of others. Gold can travel anywhere. It's international. It's its own currency. Allocate to gold now, the timeless safe haven asset. Open an IRA with noble gold investments to physically hold coins and bars and let real, tangible gold, not just paper, save your portfolio as the economy burns again. Right now, Noble Gold Investments offers a free 3-ounce silver American virtue coin with every qualified IRA. Just use the promo code code gold to claim your free coin and secure your family's financial future go to noblegoldinvestments.com now noblegoldinvestments.com this performance may not be indicative of future results investing in precious metals including gold involves risks consult with your tax attorney or financial professional before making an investment decision as you know rpn is not responsible for the views actions, statements or opinions of anyone that i feature on this broadcast except for my own Thank you so much. Andre2121 says, I was talking to my mom about tattoos, and I decided the next tattoo I get will be the date the deep state gets defeated. LOL. I will book an appointment for that day. Excellent. <clears throat> so tell me, guys, can you hear the, uh, the the music that's playing right now? Because apparently that music was quiet earlier. I had it cranked at like six decibels over, you know, ambient. So let me know if you can hear the music that's going right now. Thank you so much to Cyber X Speed, who says, no more mute gate. Yes, I have a mute button, and I'm going to be using it. Just duckies. Thank you very much for the cookie. No music now. Okay, well, let me turn it up a lot. Can you hear it now? That is so weird. This whole Rumble Studio thing, it's very, uh, very strange. No music still. Well, tell me if you can hear it now. No. Well, do me a favor. Hit the like button. Wow, I can't believe you can't hear it. How about now? Now you can hear it? Can you still hear me over the music? (laughs) Wow. Okay. Strange. All right. Do me a favor if you have not yet. Hit the like button. Share the show. we got a lot to talk about. Senator Langford's secret shame. It's just been revealed. Hopefully, you're going to be able to hear the stuff coming from the desktop. So sit back, relax, and grab your popcorn. We're going to be right back after this. So I hate to be the one to tell you guys, but just like groceries and gas, your power bills are expected to keep hitting record highs in the coming months. It's gotten so bad in certain places across America, power companies have up to $13 million in uncollected bills. People are just unable to afford the prices. Costs show no signs of slowing down, and if anything, they're only going to get worse. Now, that's why tens of thousands of people all across America are now beginning to use this magical little device to help slash their power bills down and beat the greedy utility companies and the Biden regime. This device is compact, it's energy saving, and it helps you reduce your electricity bills and optimize your home's power usage. You can experience the incredible cost savings it offers at an exclusive 65% off by visiting the link in the description of this video. Don'twastepower.com. Once again, that's don'twastepower.com. The link is in the description. And when you support my sponsors, you support this channel. 
And let me just hit my mute button so that I can speak to you guys and you will hear what I have to say. Also, let me just do something for those of you at home who hate to see me or hear me rather taking drinks. I'm going to hit that button. So, yes, there you go. Hopefully, as long as I remember to continually hit that button, you guys will never hear me taking a drink or slurping or hitting my vape ever again. So, yeah, we're going to have to figure out what the perfect volume is because it's very odd. I can see what the actual decibel levels are and what I'm seeing and what you guys are hearing is uh, completely, I am a bit loud. Okay, you're telling me I am a bit loud. Well, then let me turn it down just a little bit. Uh, Holy, okay, so I am loud right now. I am loud. I don't know if you guys are talking about the music, if you're talking about my voice. My voice is lagging. Okay, well, that's because of Rumble Studio. Uh, That's it. All right, so if somebody, yes, you are fine, Zach. Okay, thank you, Dina. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. You guys, you've got a volume button. Turn your volume down if you think I'm too loud right now. I, I, I've been working all day to try to get this dialed in so that everything will actually work. Rumble Studio is uh, definitely uh, a work in progress. So thank you very much. And uh, so how about adjusting our volume? I can't adjust your volume. <laughs> somebody else is going you guys are going to have to do your own volumes. But anyways. So we have a lot to discuss today. Uh, Senator Lankford, uh, this border invasion bill definitely is going to be top of the heap. We've got some new news about the decreasing stamina of Joe Biden and his imminent death coming up sometime in the very near future. I wanted to open with a story that broke over the weekend that I didn't get a chance to talk about yesterday, but I think it's rather important uh, because it uh, it kind of underscores just how fake this entire world is. So Nikki Haley, over the weekend, she shared out a couple of messages that she claimed were from organic, real-life supporters of her. Now, we know that in real life, Nikki Haley doesn't have any organic grassroots support. So as soon as I saw this tweet, I said, there is something funny going on. So What she did essentially was share two individual messages. Now, if you take a look at the messages themselves in her tweet, one of them appears to be a handwritten note. But if you open up the handwritten note, you get a look at it. You'll notice that there is an odd uniformity to the letters that make up this handwritten note, which means that this is not handwritten at all. This is a uh, uh, this is a, a a typed out message using a form of handwritten font. So you can take a look at the P's. The P's are exactly the same every single time. Uh, you can see the K's are exactly the same. The E's are exactly the same. So it is just a little bit off, obviously, because it's handwritten, but there is too much uniformity. It's not a real note. So Mary A., who allegedly wrote to Nikki Haley, I want to encourage Nikki Haley to keep pressing on. We need a competent and committed leader to stay the course in the bid for the presidency. I'm an independent and I have voted for the best candidate every election cycle. And this year it's Nikki. Well, words of encouragement that simply 
do not ring true. And then the next one, this one's a little bit more egregious. This appears to be an unsent email that is allegedly written to Nikki Haley from somebody named Michael B. So you have the, the, the two line filled out. There's no subject. And if you take a look at the bottom here in this Gmail uh, mock-up that they've done, the send button hasn't been sent. That means that Nikki or someone on her campaign staff carefully crafted this fake email and then took a screenshot of it, but they didn't bother to actually send it before they actually took the screenshot. Rumble chat covering your face. Oh, okay. Well, thank you very much. Let me uh, adjust that real quick. Uh, live chat is no more. Save. Okay. Yeah. So I, I meant to take that off the screen and I forgot. So thank you very much for letting me know. But Michael B in this, in this message here says, please do not give up your fight in a world that's become crazy with strife. We need a level headed conservative to navigate us through the insanity. No one is more capable than you are to write this ship and heal this great nation. We need you, Nikki. This country needs you. Our allies and the beautiful people of this world need you. I don't want to see you give up and I guarantee you there are millions more out there who feel exactly as I do. Now, considering the fact that Michael is not a real person, I have to take issue with his approximation of the situation. So she wrote, Americans want a choice in this election, not a rerun. I'm overwhelmed by all of your kind words. We'll keep working hard to make you proud. And so I retweeted this and said that feeling when you realize this is the moment your kids will remember from your unsuccessful presidential campaign. Hey, mom, tell us again how stupid you felt when you posted two fake messages from non-existent supporters and got roasted on X because getting roasted is exactly what she did. I'm not certain what Nikki Haley was hoping to evoke by posting these fake messages. I mean, clearly she wants the world to believe that she has some sort of support out there. But the fact that they couldn't rustle up two real messages from real supporters indicates to me that the level of support that exists for Nikki Haley is even scanter than what they would allow us to believe. So let's take a look at some of the replies to these tweets. Uh, Y'all got some dumbasses running your social media, the Hodge twins say. Damon Amani, who does some great skits. Uh, what in Smollett is this? Are you serious? Uh, hit send next time and change up the font once in a while. Uh, this is so incredibly cringe. Why is it a screenshot of an email with the send button available? If it was real, wouldn't it be a screenshot of a received email in your inbox? And it just goes on and on like that. This is one of the most embarrassing things I have ever seen. Oh, I, I replied and said, it's like you're not even trying. That bird brain nickname was truly earned with this fiasco. Handwritten message is clearly a handwritten style font, and the email hasn't even been sent. You've spent how many millions, and this was the PR team's best idea? This is that moment where you start asking yourself, what in the hell did I spend that those tens of millions of dollars on? Clearly, she didn't spend it on people who were actually skilled in the running of campaigns. So Nikki Haley just looks totally embarrassing. Now, in the case of Tucker Carlson, uh, he has recently traveled to Russia. Uh, there was a great video that was going around this morning of the Russian people telling a reporter, I believe it's Sputnik, how they felt about Tucker Carlson. And I, I couldn't help but think how alike we were, how similar we were to the Russian people. They were level-headed. 
They simply wanted the right to exist. Uh, they liked the idea of Tucker Carlson speaking his mind. Same reason I tend to like Tucker Carlson and the takes that he has. What's really interesting is the response to Tucker Carlson visiting Russia by idiot liberals on Twitter. And I'm sure that there were even some conservatives on there that were trying to flame him as well. Now, Of course, that wasn't as successful as it was for the flaming of Nikki Haley. I saw this guy say that Tucker Carlson was a traitor to his country and his people, and he should be treated as such. Why? Because he went to Russia to interview Vladimir Putin? Well, then I guess Charlie Rose is a traitor to his country. I guess that Chris Matthews is a traitor to his country. I guess that Barbara Walters is a traitor to her country. Clearly, this is not the case, but these people are so unhinged. The idea that Tucker Carlson, an American journalist, doing his job as a journalist, going to interview the leader of another nation that's already been interviewed on many different occasions, is somehow now a traitor for actually doing his job and doing it better than anyone else out there in the mainstream media. Now, People are are trying to position Tucker Carlson as some type of evil villain because he was willing to speak with someone on their own turf and allow them to have their say. Obviously, the mainstream media has been so consumed with the propaganda programming narrative about Vladimir Putin in the same way they were about Donald Trump, and they still remain to this day. But Tucker Carlson, since he's going to get the interview firsthand, he's not going to allow that to happen. Now, he has put out a statement. From what I understand, the interview has not been released yet. If it has, it was while I was preparing for the show. I'm really looking forward to seeing it, and I, I would imagine you guys probably are, too. So, Tucker Carlson, you know, he was one of the founders of The Daily Caller. It is one of the uh, news organizations that I will reference on a daily basis. So he said he's interviewing Vladimir Putin because. Millions of people every day are reaping the health benefits of using cannabis oil, also known as CBD. This new product derived from hemp has fascinated doctors and scientists around the world for its powerful effects on the human body. If you are in need of alternative methods for health empowerment, please visit www.naturalhempoil.com. That's www.naturalhempoil.com. CBD is now legal in over 40 states, and our products are non-psychoactive and contain less than 0.3% THC levels. We also offer products for household pets, natural NaturalHempOil.com does not claim to treat cancer, PTSD, epilepsy, anxiety, insomnia, joint pain, eczema, or any chronic condition that you may have been diagnosed with. Please consult with a doctor before you take CBD. Results may vary, so give our natural CBD a try at www.NaturalHempOil.com. That's www.NaturalHempOil.com. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. That's why tens of thousands are using this amazing little device from SavePowerBills.com. It's a small but smart gadget that stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your electronics. Just plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Order now to get 65% off plus many free bonuses before they sell out by going to SavePowerBills.com. That's SavePowerBills.com. Order now. 
Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. That's why tens of thousands are using this amazing little device from SavePowerBills.com. It's a small but smart gadget that stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your electronics. Just plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Order now to get 65% off plus many free bonuses before they sell out by going to SavePowerBills.com. That's SavePowerBills.com. Order now. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Between mass shootings, homicides, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjacking, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight includes an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass-breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope and wire cutter, siren, high and low LED lighting mode, and much more. Simply place your order now to get 66% off along with many other free bonuses before they sell out by going to www.fighterflare.com. Order now at www.fighterflare.com fighterflare.com A human catastrophe is closing in. Nobody knows how far this one is going to go. You can feel the heat as tension is rising globally. War is expensive. Open a Noble Gold Investments IRA today, and you can claim a free 3-ounce silver American virtue coin. Just use the promo code GOLD. Go to NobleGoldInvestments.com now. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Investing in precious metals, including gold, involves risks. Consult with your tax attorney or financial professional before making an investment decision. It is a journalist's job to inform the people in the U.S. about the war in Ukraine. That's exactly what we've been trying to do here on this program. That's exactly what I do on the other networks that I've been working with over the last couple of years as well. So let's go ahead and take a listen to Tucker's message about why he's interviewing Putin and let me know that you can hear it. We're in Moscow tonight. We're here to interview the president of Russia, Vladimir Putin. We'll be doing that soon. There are risks to conducting an interview like this, obviously. So we've thought about it carefully over many months. Here's why we're doing it. First, because it's our job. We're in journalism. Our duty is to inform people. Two years into a war that's reshaping the entire world, most Americans are not informed. They have no real idea what's happening in this region, here in Russia or 600 miles away in Ukraine. But they should know. They're paying for much of it in ways they might not fully yet perceive. The war in Ukraine is a huge... What what shocks me most of all is that these idiots out there in Normyland are perfectly willing to just lap up whatever drivel the mainstream media and the political elites of America are doling out to them. This is like the kids in Oliver Twist. You know, can I have some more, please? Like, please give me more fake news. This is exactly what I want. This is exactly what I need. I don't want to know what's really going on in the world. I am happy to walk through life completely blind, deaf, and dumb. Well, thank God people like us exist. Thank God there are many, many more millions of Americans out there who are hungry for the truth. They are desperate to receive the actual information about the way the world works. Joe Biden, his ilk, the deep state, they would rather have us go to war with Russia so that we can end up in some authoritarian fascist dictatorship. But I do not believe that that's going to take place, guys. I think that Joe is too feeble. And I think that the America first movement at this point is too strong. Continuing. Disaster. It's left hundreds of thousands of people dead, an entire generation of young Ukrainians, and it's depopulated the largest country in Europe. 
But the long-term effects are even more profound. This war has utterly reshaped the global military and trade alliances. And the sanctions that followed have as well. And in total, they have upended the world economy. The post-World War II economic order, the system that guaranteed prosperity in the West for more than 80 years, is coming apart very fast, and along with it, the dominance of the U.S. dollar. These are not small changes. They are history-altering developments. They will define the lives of our grandchildren. Most of the world understands this perfectly well. They can see it. Ask anyone in Asia or the Middle East what the future looks like. And yet the populations of the English-speaking countries seem mostly unaware. They think that as nothing has really changed. And they think that because no one has told them the truth. Their media outlets are corrupt. They lie to their readers and viewers. And they do that mostly by omission. For example, since the day the war in Ukraine began, American media outlets have spoken to scores of people from Ukraine, and they've done scores of interviews with Ukrainian President Zelensky. We ourselves have put in a request for an interview with Zelensky, and we hope he accepts. But the interviews he's already done in the United States are not traditional interviews. They are fawning pep sessions specifically designed to amplify Zelensky's demand that the U.S. enter more deeply into a war in Eastern Europe and pay for it. That is not journalism. It is government propaganda, propaganda of the ugliest kind, the kind that kills people. At the same time, our politicians and media outlets have been doing this, promoting a foreign leader like he's a new consumer brand. Not a single Western journalist has bothered to interview the president of the other country involved in this conflict, Vladimir Putin. Most Americans have no idea why Putin invaded Ukraine or what his goals are now. They've never heard his voice. That's wrong. Americans have a right to know all they can about a war they're implicated in. And we have the right to tell them about it because we are Americans, too. Freedom? I literally cannot wait to see people's heads explode online. And I have to wonder, are they even going to hear the information? Are they going to allow themselves to actually listen to the words of Vladimir Putin? Or are they simply going to default back to the the the, the narrative uh, thread that Putin is somehow so dangerous that he shouldn't even be heard. It's the same type of argument they've used to shut us down over the last several years, suggesting that our viewpoints, uh, the, the very words that come out of our mouth are so dangerous, are so destabilizing to society that we don't deserve to be heard. Well, guess what? This is still mother effing America. And in America, we still have the right to freedom of speech. And if Tucker Carlson wants to go to Russia and hear Vladimir Putin out, go for it. I think it's great. And he's right. They're, the only thing that they are in the business of producing at this point is government propaganda. And that exactly right there is why they are failing, why the government propaganda mainstream media industrial complex is falling apart at the seams. I heard CNN is recently entering into additional financial troubles. I am so excited to hear that. I can't wait to see how they emerge from Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Each is our birthright. We were born with the right to say what we believe. That right cannot be taken away no matter who is in the White House. But they're trying anyway. Almost three years ago, the Biden administration illegally spied on our text messages and then leaked the contents to their servants in the news media. They did this in order to stop a Putin interview that we were planning. 
Last month, we're pretty certain they did exactly the same thing once again. But this time, we came to Moscow anyway. We are not here because we love Vladimir Putin. We are here because we love the United States. I got to say, I think that's a bit of a bombshell that the Biden regime spied on Tucker Carlson and his producers and then leaked that information to the mainstream media. I mean, what a revelation. Uh, you, you, you have to ask yourself, what kind of a nation do we live in where the ruling party spies on certain elements of the mainstream media? Well, at that time, he was mainstream. Now he's you know out on his own, but spying on anyone in the mainstream media. And of course, the next logical question is if they're listening to Tucker Carlson's conversations, if they're reading his text messages, then are they reading ours? Are they reading mine? Are they reading yours? Are they looking at your DMs? Are they just looking at your text messages? Are they listening to your phone calls? I think the the logical answer to that question is hell yes. I think we would be foolish to believe that they're not already listening to us. We wanted to remain prosperous and free. We paid for this trip ourselves. We took no money from any government or group, nor are we charging people to see the interview. It is not behind a paywall. Anyone can watch the entire thing shot live to tape and unedited on our website, TuckerCarlson.com. Elon Musk, to his great credit, has promised not to suppress or block this interview once we post it on his platform, X, and we're grateful for that. Western governments, by contrast, will certainly do their best to censor this video on other less principled platforms because that's what they do. They are afraid of information they can't control. But you have no reason to be afraid of it. We are not encouraging you to agree with what Putin may say in this interview, but we are urging you to watch it. You should know as much as you can. And then, like a free citizen and not a slave, you can decide for yourself. Thanks. So even if Tucker had revealed that information at some time in the past, my point remains the same. The fact that the federal government of the United States is actively spying on mainstream media or even independent media, regardless, that sort of thing is simply not meant to happen inside a free country such as this. So I hope that the news of that spreads far and wide. And I hope that people outside of conservative circles begin to ask the question, you know, how much is enough? At what point are we going to admit that we no longer live in a free society? At what point are we going to admit that the current ruling class is using their power to crush the little guy? to crush the opposition, and to ensure that they remain in power. Now, take a look at this. This is something that I'm certain will not surprise you, but one of the prosecutors uh, uh, that was working on the Hunter Biden case has been accused of retaliation, retaliation against a subordinate who was also working on the Hunter Biden investigation. This is the U.S. attorney for the Eastern District of Pennsylvania, Jacqueline Romero. Allegedly, she retaliated against the U.S., excuse me, assistant U.S. attorney Derek Hines after he joined the Hunter Biden case. This is coming from three separate sources. So Hines ended up joining now special counsel David Weiss's case 
prior to any indictments actually being leveled against Hunter Biden. Romero approved the move, but allegedly she expressed her belief that Hunter Biden should not face any charges. And she also mentioned she had ties to the late Bo Biden. Of course, he was also a former assistant U.S. attorney in the Philadelphia office. So right then and there, she should have been removed from the case because she had a conflict of interest. Now, Romero's office then allegedly restricted Heinz's access to his downtown office. This is where employees need ID cards to enter. So Hines, although he's still employed by the Philadelphia U.S. Attorney's Office while he's working for Weiss, and then one current employee told the Post he has to go up, sign in like any other visitor, despite the fact that he has access and it's his actual office. They only allow him in when they want him in. Dibs1818 says, you know, Lankford's dogs eat a lot of peanut butter. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Yes. Uh, So there was a spokesperson for Romero's office uh, who was willing to speak uh, in some way on this issue. And they denied any allegations uh, in a specific response to the Daily Caller. The representations about AUSA Heinz's detail are inaccurate. U.S. Attorney Romero never discouraged Heinz from accepting the detail. I don't think that was the actual uh, suggestion there. It's just that once he did join, she restricted access to his office. In fact, she did support, authorize, and sign off on his details. See that, that, that little bit of obfuscation, uh, denying something that they were never accused of doing. This is so par for the course with these guys. Members of this office had relationships with Bo Biden as colleagues, friends, and supervisors when he was an assistant U.S. attorney here. USA Romero does not have a relationship with the Biden family and didn't express any views on the merits of the Hunter Biden investigation. Now, another source speaking on Romero, another source speaking on condition of anonymity said that first assistant U.S. attorney Nelson Thayer informed colleagues that Hines is banned from the office. Uh, This is a different source who was unaware of Thayer's declaration, but told the Post it would not be surprising to learn that that was the case. AUSA Thayer did not communicate to colleagues that AUSA Hines was banned from the office, and AUSA Hines' office was not taken away. It sits untouched awaiting his return. When the detail is concluded, the office looks forward to him resuming his duties here as assistant U.S. attorney. That's the spokesperson for Thayer directly. Now, President Biden, Joe, excuse me, resident Biden, nominated Romero for her position back in April of 2022. She was sworn in on June 21st. She's been a prosecutor in that office for about 16 years before becoming the Philadelphia U.S. attorney. Hunter, of course, is still facing charges. That case is ongoing. We have nine federal tax charges in California. We have the federal gun charges in Delaware. And, of course, he has pled guilty, excuse me, pled not guilty to both sets of crimes. Now, Weiss, as the U.S. attorney for Delaware, added Hines and Baltimore U.S. assistant attorney Leah Weiss to his team in June before that plea deal fell apart, and then they were forced to start from scratch. And, of course, the whistleblowers from the IRS in this case, I'm sure that they would have a lot to say about this. I'm looking forward to seeing what their comments are uh, before we end up getting through the week here. So I have some good news uh, coming out of the First Circuit Court of Appeals. Uh, this is in regards to the voter rolls. Voter rolls, as we learned, if you watched my show with Andrew Paquette last week, 
are very, very important because voter rolls are how they are able to catalog who is legally able to vote. But more importantly for them, what votes they're able to inject into the system. So there are public records for all sorts of things in the election system. And up until this point, the elections management uh, uh, personnel were trying to claim that the voter rolls themselves were not public information, that they could not be shared. So it stopped any of us on the outside, any citizen investigators from taking a look at the voter rolls and determining if they were out of whack, if there were uh, various cleansings that need to be done. But the court has now ruled that the National Voter Registration Act of 1993 covers Maine's voter roll and that it is a public record and elected officials are no longer able to hide it from the public. Uh, this is coming from B. Heasy. He's been a, a guest on the show before. Whether voter rolls are accurate and current cannot be determined without inspecting the voter file. In other words, the evaluation of voter registration rolls would not be possible if the results of Maine's voter list registration and maintenance activities were not subject to public disclosure. For those reasons, uh, Maine's voter file is a record concerning the implementation of programs and activities conducted for the purpose of ensuring the accuracy and currency of official lists of eligible voters and thus is subject to disclosure under Section So the Public Interest Legal Foundation also posted this regarding the case. Uh, Until this time, Maine had had a restriction on the use of voter rolls. Uh, I think that the only reason you can rationally suggest why they would do something like that is because they're very aware of the power inherent in those voter rolls and that if they get into the hands of uh, citizen investigators, well, then they can be specifically looked through. It can be determined whether or not there are a whole bunch of dead voters or if there are voters on there who perhaps uh, live at ghost addresses. Uh, or if at the end of the day, you have fake votes that are being injected into the election. But they secured this landmark ruling for transparency and clean elections. And that's the way it always should have been. And obviously, because Maine and other states are trying to hide this from us, I think that the answer pretty obviously is that we need to take a look at them. But the First Circuit Court of Appeals ruled in the Public Interest Legal Foundation's favor, again, ruling under the National Voter Registration Act of 1993. These are public records. Additionally, the court has also ruled that Maine's fines and restrictions on the use of those voter files and their data are illegal obstacles to achieving a intent for transparency and oversight under that same Voter Registration Act. The restrictions imposed by the use, ban, erect, an impenetrable impenetrable barrier for those seeking to use the voter file to evaluate and enforce compliance with the NVR nationwide. Uh, and this, at the end of the day, is a monumental victory. It allows people who want to clean up the voter rolls, to take a look at the voter rolls, to evaluate the voter rolls, to be able to do so. We can now compare the voter rolls to the actual votes that have been cast. So, If we end up finding that there are tens of thousands of additional votes that were cast that are simply not listed on those voter rolls, then there's only one place that they could have come from, and that would be from a fraudulent scenario. So if we take a look at the background on this case, back in October of 2019, this organization, the Public Interest Legal Foundation, had requested a copy of the statewide voter rolls from the state of Maine. They also wanted the voting histories for the state of Maine. 
Again, if you saw the interview with Andrew Paquette, uh, you'll understand why that's so vitally important. And even if you haven't seen it, I'm sure you can uh, intimate why that might be important. Now, the state attorney, excuse me, the secretary of state's office notified the foundation that the request was denied. They cited state law that limited access to the preferred entities like political parties were the only ones who could get access to the voter rolls. And of course, they filed the lawsuit. Uh, Maine ended up amending its law which allowed groups like the foundation to have access to the voter rolls, but they included a catch. That change prohibited the foundation itself and others from using that file to perform research that was not approved by the legislature. So as an example, if they ended up wanting to compare Maine's voter file to New York's voter file so that they could identify duplicate registrations across state lines, they would not have been able to do that. Anything other than specifically evaluating the compliance of the state of Maine with that voter list maintenance uh, would result in severe fines for unauthorized use. Now, clearly, Maine and New York are interesting because they're very closely associated with each other. They're right in the in, in the same place in the Northeast. Uh, te- technically, I would imagine that it would be uh, a real benefit to investigators all across America if we could compare voter rolls in all 50 states. If we have current voter rolls from each state, they could be entered into a database and the identifying information, say a person's name and whatever other identifying information is there, perhaps the last four of their social security number, or if they have uh, an address, then you can look that up and you can compare if they're registered to vote in Maine and they're registered to vote in New York uh, and they're casting ballots in both elections, then clearly at least one of those votes is going to be disqualified. But unless we're able to see the voter rolls and then compare the information, we're never going to be able to know. So this was a major win for the state of Maine, and I am certain that the decision is going to have ramifications all around the country. Now, President Trump, a couple of things about President Trump. He's announced that he's going to be doing a get out the vote rally in South Carolina coming up this Saturday. Obviously, South Carolina is an important primary. I think President Trump, it's a foregone conclusion. He's already going to win. Uh, and uh, the most important aspect of this is that this is Nikki Haley's home state. If Nikki Haley has any sort of momentum that exists in the real world, it's going to be in South Carolina. However, we already know that President Trump is leading Nikki Haley 58% to 33%. And President Trump announcing this get out the vote rally at Conway, South Carolina, at the Carolina State University campus, it's going to be likely to increase that margin, uh, or at least a couple of points, I would think. So he's going to be speaking at 2 p.m. on Saturday. And this uh, is really going to be the initial kickoff of the primary season at this point. So we had the Iowa caucus. President Trump won that with record numbers. Uh, we also had New Hampshire. President Trump, once again, record numbers. Uh, also, of course, we have uh, a string of additional victories that are going to be taking place. Nevada, that was a caucus. The Virgin Islands might not have even known that there was a caucus there. Of course, now South Carolina. The only thing that is going to result from the showing in South Carolina is going to be the decision of whether or not Nikki Haley is going to remain in the race. I I think that at that point, once she gets so utterly humiliated, uh, I think that she's going to be forced to step down. Now, there is the distinct possibility that she just wants to continue 
uh, cashing those checks. She's going to keep getting money from somewhere. And as long as she does, she's going to keep putting it into her pocket. But if Nikki Haley has any sort of self-respect at all, then South Carolina is where she's going to call an L. Somebody else who ought to be calling an L is Rana Romney McDaniel. We've been speaking recently. Well, frankly, we've been speaking for a long time about the need for new leadership at the Republican National Committee. I showed you a photo of her the other day, uh, and uh, I said that she looked like she had some work done on her lips. Here is an older picture of Ronna Romney McDaniel, and it's quite obvious she definitely had some work done on those lips. Those lips look normal. They look like how she always looked. Uh, they're they're kind of thin in comparison to the way that she looks now. Uh, but it's quite obvious that Nick, that uh, Ronna Romney McDaniel has been putting her time and effort into luxury items like plastic surgery, uh, limousine rides, first class airfare, and of course, floral arrangements. And President Trump understands that in order for the Republican Party to be successful, the National Committee has got to back him up. It's got to back up America First candidates. So allegedly, he went and met with Ronna Romney McDaniel earlier today. And he says that after the primary in South Carolina, uh, he's going to be discussing changes that need to be made there. Once he wins in South Carolina, it will be obvious and undeniable that President Trump is the leader of the Republican Party. So he actually called her down to Mar-a-Lago, uh, where they met to discuss these upcoming changes that are going to be necessary to be made. The meeting, which took place at Mar-a-Lago's, excuse me, Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate, was confirmed by two people who were familiar with the discussion. Now, following the meeting, President Trump announced that he's going to be offering these recommendations for the party's growth. And, of course, this declaration comes in the midst of uh, a sort of leadership crisis scandal where Ronna Romney McDaniel is Obviously not the person for the job. As long as she has been sitting in that chair, the Republican Party nationally has suffered. Back in 2020 and again in 2022, there is a, a quite quite noticeable deficit in a couple of different areas. First of all, they did not support local candidates. Uh, second of all, they did not have lawyers on hand to ensure that minders from both the Republicans and the Democrats were there to verify ballots and to ensure that the count was happening in a legal manner. There were constitutional violations that took place in all of the swing states where Joe Biden ended up being declared the winner, despite the fact that it's quite clear that tens of thousands of ballots in each of these states were injected into the system. If they had lawyers from the RNC that were on hand to challenge the way that the Republicans were being treated as they were kicked out of the count rooms as they were told to stand 25 feet away from a table of Democrats counting ballots, then perhaps we wouldn't be in the situation we are today. But I also suggest that perhaps we wouldn't have gotten to the point where the vast majority of Americans understand that we need a major change in leadership, not only across America in terms of elected leadership, but also at the party level. If we're going to control America going forward, then we have to control the Republican Party. If we can't control the Republican Party, then how in the hell are we supposed to control America? So in in addition to President Trump meeting with Ronna Romney McDaniel, uh, he had a couple of uh, truth social posts that he put out. Let's go ahead and take a look here. Uh, let's see. 
He is, of course, optimistic about his chances in November. I am also very optimistic about his chances. Uh, President Trump uh, reminisced about his 2016 victory in Michigan. Initially, that was a win that he attributed to Ronna Romney McDaniel. At that time, she was the head of the Michigan GOP. That's how she ended up clinching the RNC position. However, when we get to 2024, things are just a little bit different. He said things are looking great in the presidential race uh, 2024 against crooked Joe Biden. We have leads in many cases, substantial in virtually every head-to-head poll. The primary seems to be over, but I'll be going to South Carolina next week to finish off a very unpopular candidate. On Thursday, I'm heading to Nevada for the caucus, where there are 26 delegates. Hopefully, we'll get most of them. In my successful run in 2016, the state of Michigan really came through. First time in decades that it was won by a Republican, and it was headed up by my friend, Rana McDaniel. Rana is now the head of the RNC, and I'll be making a decision the day after the South Carolina primary as to my recommendations for RNC growth. If growth is going to happen in the Republican Party, then Ronna Romney McDaniel must be replaced. She needs to be completely and utterly erased from the RNC. And it appears that it's not just Ronna Romney McDaniel that needs to be erased. Her chief of staff actually just resigned after she went and met with President Trump. Mike Reed is the chief of staff for the RNC, and he's going to be resigning his position later this month. Uh, he has held that position since January of 2022. So you might say that perhaps the poor performance of the RNC and their failure to support candidates with an America first agenda, you know, it may fall on his shoulders as much as it falls on Ronna Romney's. This decision to step down was sent to the RNC in an email. He cited the need to dedicate more time to his expanding family as the primary reason. Isn't that always the reason, like when there's some scandal brewing? Like, are we going to find uh, images or videos of this guy uh, hooking up with a gay prostitute in uh, like a, a bathroom at a bus stop somewhere or something? I don't know. Uh, it's not entirely unexpected, obviously, as I've said on many different occasions. The RNC has truly been lacking in their performance and the support that they've been able to offer candidates. Uh, and for the last year, we've had a tremendous amount of money that's been spent on things that simply are not related to actually winning elections. Uh, as I showed you about a week ago, the Democrats are spending money on voter lists. They're spending money on mailers. They're spending money on efforts to get out and actually influence people, to speak to them, to get them to come out and vote. The RNC is spending money on luxury items that have nothing to do with winning elections. There was virtually no money that was handed out in 2022 to Republican candidates that were running in local elections outside of the federal level. And there's no reason that should be happening. The Democrats spent all of their money making sure their candidates won. And it simply meant that they had more visibility. They had a greater presence on the ground. If you're not out there actually meeting people, then you need other people to get out there and press the flesh for you. So Reed is, of course, going to be transitioning to a new role in the private sector at Cornerstone, which is a government relations and public affairs firm. So he's not going to be getting out without actually cashing in. And I think that there has got to be a connection between President Trump 
calling Ronna Romney McDaniel down there and then uh, essentially starting to clean house. So I would start looking at who is going to replace her. And we have somebody who is perfect for the job. She's also a Michigan girl. Uh, this is a, 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 a scene from inside the TCF Center in Detroit on election night. I'm sure you guys remember that. Uh, we interviewed a whistleblower from the TCF Center. She witnessed everything that took place, the ballots coming in. She witnessed Republicans getting kicked out. Uh, she blew the lid off of this thing. And I, this was when I was still on Twitch. Uh, we streamed it on Twitch. You couldn't stream on Rumble at that point. And I, I got uh, on that video on Twitch, it got something like, I don't know, like 300, 500,000 views. It was huge. And then, uh, and then of course, uh, it's gone, but you can still watch it here on my rumble channel. It's one of my very first videos that, that I did here, uh, after getting deleted from YouTube. But the person that we're talking about is an election integrity activist who is from the Detroit area. And she was working specifically on ensuring that we got accurate vote counts. Uh, and of course, she stood up to radical Democrats uh, and the other paid operatives who were working to ensure that the Republicans did not get an actual look at the real ballots. So while these shocking events were unfolding inside the basement of the TCF Center back on election night in 2020, uh, there was a select number of individuals who were looking to cover this and give it the airtime that it actually needed. So this top election official in the counting room announced over the loudspeakers, suggesting that poll challengers should take a break and go to lunch while they were preparing the military ballots. And, and of course, Democrat poll challengers did not leave. They stayed there. The Republicans left and they got shut out. They were not allowed to come back in. Uh, and it's very interesting that none of the Republicans that were there actually counting seemed to think anything of it at the time. Once they left the count room, election workers immediately began locking the doors. Uh, and of course, they also violated fire safety and code regulations because they kept the fire doors shut as well. And these Republican poll challengers were then no longer allowed to come on in to watch the counting of the military ballots. And I'm sure you'll remember that the military ballots all went to Joe Biden as soon as there was nobody there to check them. So inside that count room, we had a number of people who were looking to steal the election and ensure that Donald Trump would lose that night and Joe Biden would win. Uh, there was also a complete and utter snow job done with the election workers that were being trained by DNC operatives. They were essentially taught in the days and weeks leading up to the count exactly how to steal this election. Now, the person that we're looking at as a potential to replace Ronna Romney McDaniel was dead center in the midst of all of this. She was one of the only people in Michigan at the time that had access and was actually fighting to ensure that President Trump got the votes that he actually received and that Joe Biden didn't get any of the ones that he received. She was working at the Wayne County Department of Elections. Her name was Hema Colangaretti. Colon, Colon so uh, inside that count room, Democrat poll challengers were essentially the the uh, uh, the only thing basically standing between Donald Trump and the the winning of that election. But she leveraged the color of her skin, which is interesting, uh, 
to not get kicked out of those rooms. Uh, essentially, they looked at her and they assumed that she must be a Democrat because her skin is brown. Uh, however, uh, it wasn't that way. She was a Republican and she was checking to make sure that uh, everything was going the correct direction. Uh, obviously, it didn't. Uh, and as a result of that, uh, we have the results that we uh, that we have ended up with over the last three years. Uh, but she was also a person who uh, testified in the Michigan House Oversight Committee. Rudy Giuliani sat next to her. Let's go ahead and listen to a clip of that. Right. Uh, and, you know, if we could, you might remember her. that we're uh, respectful to the representatives stand behind the tabulators. I am from, I, I do IT. I have an IT staffing firm, so IT is my specialty. I was standing behind the tabulator machines, and I could tell right away that most of those people did not know what to do when about. So if you were watching the coverage at that time, you might remember her uh, and her testimony. Uh, at the same hearing, this is where uh, the whistleblower that I interviewed on the channel testified to discuss the various irregularities that she saw there in the TCF Center on election night. So uh, apparently she is looking to potentially take over the RNC. If she does, uh, I think that that would be amazing. And uh, there were a number of other hearings that she testified in speaking about the various things that she saw and witnessed on that night. And uh, we need someone to be in that position of leadership that understands not only election fraud, but understands the America first agenda. And uh, as she is an immigrant who came here legally, she also understands the situation taking place at the southern border. So she knows that the people running for office all across America have got to hit the things that we care about the most. Obviously, honesty and integrity. Uh, obviously, the situation with immigration out of control, illegal immigration more than anything else. Election integrity also more than anything else. Without those things as the fundamental underpinning of the Republican Party, then the whole thing is lost and uh, we might as well give up. I don't think that's going to happen, but I think that uh, this person is a, an excellent pick uh, to determine where the direction of the Republican Party goes after this. Now, speaking about Michigan, the ongoing fight to prove these various methodologies of election fraud uh, have still remained ongoing. We spoke at length on a number of different occasions about the situation in Muskegon. There was that group that was hired by the DNC, actually occupied the same office space as the Democrat Party here in Michigan. They were farming out voter registration cards. Many of them were not real people. Uh, and this all got reported to the FBI and to the state police and to the local police. And of course, to a number of various clerks. I mean, there was a, a clerk specifically in Muskegon who tried to blow the whistle on this whole thing. She saw 10,000 voter registrations coming in on a single day. Many of them appeared to be written by the exact same person with different names, different combinations of names, and of course, addresses which didn't actually exist. Dana Nessel, uh, the attorney general of Michigan was directly involved in the stifling of that investigation. The FBI knew about it. And we now have emails that have been revealed from a Freedom of Information Act request. Uh, they show us that. 
When it comes to stubborn belly fat, we're all searching for a miracle pill which may never exist. But believe it or not, I may have found the next best thing. It's called Belly Trim, and it's more effective at targeting belly fat, enhancing metabolism, and promoting a toned midsection better than most weight management products I've seen typically found on store shelves. Tens of thousands of five-star reviewers can't be wrong. Simply place your order now to get 51% off along with many other free bonuses before they sell out by going to www.trimwithus.com. That's www.trimwithus.com. www.trimwithus.com. Order now. Dana Nessel made a personal visit to a U.S. Postal Service distribution center in Detroit the day before the 2020 election. This is after a whistleblower claimed that thousands of ballots were just sitting inside a post office warehouse. On Monday, November 2nd, 2020, one day before the largest and most consequential election in modern history, Attorney General Dana Nessel was personally visiting a claim that a U.S. Postal Service worker had seen tens of thousands of ballots just hanging out at this distribution center. Now, Obviously, that many ballots just uh, sitting around unprotected and completely insecure, that's pretty important. I mean, it's a consequential thing. It's the kind of thing that you would want to have someone investigate to ensure that some nefarious activity wasn't going on. But it's not generally the sort of thing that the attorney general, the the, the top uh, uh, legal expert in the state of Michigan who represents the state of Michigan, It's not the kind of thing that you would expect them to go investigate themselves. Now, these FOIA emails were recovered by Yehuda Miller, who is the same investigative journalist that's been bringing us the information about the fake voters that were being farmed out in Muskegon. And, of course, the same organization was doing it all over the state of Michigan and then in a number of other swing states as well. But this postal worker who requested to remain anonymous first told Alyssa Slotkin, former CIA agent, Representative Alyssa Slotkin, about these thousands of ballots that were just sitting in the main Detroit Postal Service Distribution Center. This is a warehouse, essentially, where they bring mail before it gets assigned and dropped off by the actual post carriers. So the whistleblower happened to say that there are boxes and boxes of ballots that have not been counted. And the reason being given is because there are not enough sorters. Allegedly, they did not have the manpower to be able to count these ballots. Well, that's that's democracy for you, I guess. I guess that's what happens when you live in a fascist authoritarian regime. So the whistleblower's complaint was forwarded to Michigan AG Nestle's chief of staff, Zanib Hussein. Good afternoon, Zanib. I hope you are safe and well. Today, our office received a message from another congressional office regarding a postal worker concerned about absentee ballots being held at a local postal distribution facility. The postal worker reached out to Alyssa Slotkin's office to express concerns about that facility they work at. The postal worker did not want to provide a lot of details, and they wanted to remain anonymous. Probably they knew that if they came forward in a public fashion, they would have their life ruined. The worker reported to Slotkin's office that thousands of ballots are just sitting at the distribution center. And they also noted that there are boxes and boxes of ballots that have not been counted because they don't have enough sorters. We wanted to flag this issue for Secretary Benson's awareness, but we will also be reaching out to our postal liaison to bring this matter to their attention as well. Now, 
it's ironic that Joe Biden won, quote unquote, Michigan uh, by only thousands of votes in the same way he did in uh, these many swing states uh, across the country. So you have to ask yourself, were these ballots ever counted? Um, did Dana Nessel come to investigate because she wanted to ensure that there was a lid kept on this situation? But instead of contacting the AG's office, Representative Slotkin contacted Representative Tlaib's office about the complaint. That's interesting. Why would one representative be contacting another representative? I know that Slotkin represents one district. Tlaib is going to be representing that specific area of Detroit. But considering the sensitive nature of this claim and the fact that it's obviously a job for law enforcement or an investigation of some kind, Why would she be contacting another rep about it? It seems that it's very strange she didn't immediately contact the attorney general uh, to investigate this. So instead of calling the Michigan State Police, which is what you would expect the attorney general would do, uh, it turns out that Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel decided to go take a look herself. Do you think that's because she is so dedicated to her job? Or do you think that it's more likely that she wanted to ensure that everything was handled with as few people getting their eyes on those ballots as possible. I think that's probably it. So Michigan Democrat Jocelyn Benson's chief of staff, Zaneeb Hussein, to whom that complaint was initially given by U.S. Representative Rashida Talab, shared that email with Benson's director of elections, Jonathan Brader. She said, flagging this for you. Anything you'd like me to respond with. And Jonathan Brader appeared to take the complaint seriously, and he added Jocelyn Benson's chief legal counsel, Mike Brady, to the email chain. Brader wrote, adding Mike Davis, director of elections, then suggested that A.G. Nessel is able to investigate the U.S. Postal Service herself. Very strange. Uh, Under court order, the AG's office is allowed to do inspections. So that would likely be the best course of action here, if any. And if any, of course, suggests that they were considering taking no action at all. I guess those ballots are not that important, probably because they were aware of whose name was on those ballots, who was being voted for on those ballots. So just to to summarize, a whistleblower who works at the U.S. Postal Service tells two different Democrat congresswomen that he personally witnessed thousands of uncounted absentee ballots just sitting around because there's nobody there to process them. And the director of elections who works for the secretary of state, who is also a Democrat, who has been telling us for three years that the 2020 election was the most secure election in history, suggests that perhaps they do nothing about it at all. Well, that should come as no surprise. After the way we've seen the election system in Michigan be completely exposed over the last several years, everybody knew in 2020 that things were bad. But it just continues to get worse and worse for Jocelyn Benson and Dana Nessel and, of course, Miss Gretchen Whitmer. So the next day, uh, Nessel's chief deputy, Christina Grossi, asks her boss about the inspection. She said, does this seem possible based on what you heard? And Dana Nessel, who appeared to have been present for the inspection, said, Not based on what we saw, but who knows what they were hiding. This is an enormous building. I don't trust they actually showed us all of the ballots. Without specific info, you would never know where to look. 
So then in another email, Nessa can be seen working with her chief deputy, Christina Grassi, to uh, facilitate a cover-up uh, from the public from her visit to the distribution center. And there has been no reporting about this whistleblower complaint. It was never brought to the attention of anyone. If it wasn't for this FOIA request, we would never know that anyone had ever blown the whistle on this stuff. I think that goes to show you that if you see something that potentially could be fraudulent or perhaps someone's rights are being violated, it's simply not enough to go to the highest ranking Democrats in the state and let them know that you want them to take care of it. You should probably contact members of both parties. You should probably also contact the media to let them know that, hey, something untoward is going on. In a response to De- to A.G. Nessel's former, now deceased, communications director, Kelly Rossman McKinney, Nessel's deputy chief, Christina Grassi, wrote, I don't think we should talk about the postal site visits yet. I'd like to debrief with Washington before we comment publicly. I'm fine with the second alert. So then the communications director replied, keep me posted. I was careful not to say anything specific other than you went there, which she assumed since the judge's order specifically said you could. Our residents deserve to know that you took that responsibility. So then Grossi asked A.G. Nessel's communications director to hold off announcing this investigation into these thousands of ballots until after the election. What the hell good is it supposed to do after the election? You guys know the answer to that question. They weren't actually looking to take any action. They were looking to have the appearance of taking action so that then once the election was already decided, then they could say, oops, guess what? We forgot about tens of thousands of ballots. So let's please wait until after Tuesday, she said, adding, we have 10,000 things to deal with tomorrow. We don't need another 10,000 more, she's insinuating. There's no reason to throw this on top of that. A few days won't hurt anything, probably because they knew that the election was going to be contested anyways, and they may not want to actually count those ballots. So for the icing on the cake, at 1.58 a.m. on Election Day, Dana Nessel shared a cryptic statement that would suggest she may have learned more about this case on the way, uh, than the, uh, on the way the communications were being handled. She said, Christina's head is going to explode. Never mind. So what does that mean? What did she mean when she emails in this email chain at 1.58 a.m.? Christina's head is going to explode. What would her head explode about? So it appears to be about notifying the public about her postal site visits, and she was responding to that email. So to this point, there's been no reports from the whistleblower. There's been no reports from the state of Michigan. There's been no reports from the attorney general or the secretary of state's office. There's been no reports from the representatives of Michigan that represent these areas. The Muskegon res. The Muskegon registration fraud case seems to have been handled in exactly the same way. There were legitimate concerns about the safety, security, and legality of elections in Michigan on so many separate occasions. How many times have we lamented the fact that nobody seems to come forward when they witness anything? Well, they did come forward in Muskegon. They, They did come forward 
in Detroit. That's from sea to shining sea. You've got from the east side of Michigan to the west side of Michigan, problems, problems, problems. And they all meet up right in the center in the state capital, which is in Lansing. And nobody did anything. The proper announcements were made. They went to the right people that are supposed to be handling this stuff. And rather than do that, they just swept it under the rug. So now the question is, who the hell is going to be held accountable for this? How in the world would they be held accountable, considering the fact that the people running that state are completely corrupt and are obviously not interested in ensuring the administration of free, fair and safe elections? It is truly, truly a terrible, terrible thing that's happening in the state of Michigan. Uh, and obviously, these are rhetorical questions. I don't think it's possible for that state to be run in a, a safe and secure way at this point. Not when you've got so many corrupt people that are controlling it from the top down. This is only going to be uh, cleaned up. When we get a new administration into Washington and perhaps we have an investigation at the federal level into just what the hell is going on in Michigan. I'm not holding my breath, but I am anxiously awaiting new reports of additional evidence of some sort of fraud or illegal mismanagement of Michigan elections to come forward. There's no other way to do it. Okay. Uh, yes. Oh, and going north, you're right. Heading up to Antrim County. I mean, it's literally the whole freaking state. I mean, that's why I got out of there. I did not want to be a part of, uh, of, of a completely corrupt system where I knew that my vote wasn't going to count. And also that I was utterly hated by my neighbors. <laughs> All right. So, uh, over the last couple of months, there have been a number of stories about swattings that have been taking place. Well, the irony of this is that they were all being directed by a 17-year-old from the state of California. Now, he has been arrested. He was brought extradited to the state of Florida because the state of Florida uh, does not give an F. They are treating him and charging him and trying him as an adult. There have been a series of high-profile swatting incidents that have taken place all across the country for quite some time. On January 30th, this young man, Alan Fillion, was uh, brought to Florida he is facing charges relating to the swatting incidents, incidents, uh, swattings that were made at a mosque, swattings that were made to politicians, swattings that were made to celebrities. Uh, this is a pretty significant development and it gets even weirder because the incident specifically in question with this mosque, Al Hay Mosque in Sanford, Florida, which is not all that far from me, uh, Fillion allegedly claimed he was armed with a handgun and explosives. He intended to commit a mass shooting in the name of Satan, he said. This is a claim underscored by the sound of gunfire that was playing during the call. Well, this hoax ended up prompting a massive law enforcement response. There were approximately 30 officers that were dispatched to the mosque. And obviously none of that was true. It was all fake. It was all a joke. The weird thing about it is not the fact that, that swattings were happening. I mean, swattings are just kind of par for the course now with people live streaming and sick kids like this out there. But 
I guess he was running a website where he was selling his swatting abilities and people were using him. They would pay him money and then he would swat people all over the country. So Fox 35 is reporting that the teen's arrest affidavit states he has been offering to treat this like a job since 2021, offering to make swatting calls for money all over the country. Investigators captured an online post they say he made offering to call 911 about a gas leak or fire for $40 or make a mass shooting or bomb threat for $75. Now, being attributed to him are likely the swattings of 30 politicians, journalists, and political figures all having taken place since November. And his activities extend well beyond this particular incident, and they could extend beyond these 30 swattings that we know about. If he's been planning on doing this for money since 2021, going back to November of 2023, there have been a lot of swattings that have taken place all around the country, not just uh, politicians and journalists, but also uh, swattings that were taking place on uh, popular live streamers, uh, big live streamers, people with millions of people in their stream. So he is accused of targeting a wide range of institutions. You better believe they're going to use race and class to get this guy, uh, even though he's probably a liberal. But he had hit high schools. He hit historically black colleges. He hit mosques. He hit FBI offices. And he even made bomb threats against military bases in the Pentagon. I believe that we covered the bomb threat at the Pentagon when it happened. Uh, now, to be fair, uh, he is a leftist, as I said, and by and large, the politicians that seem to be hit were conservatives. The eight or so swattings that took place at Marjorie Taylor Greene's house, uh, the swatting at Lauren Boebert's, uh, I mean, any of these conservative politicians that you can remember from the last couple of months getting swatted, it was all because of this guy. So, uh, somebody named Zero Hour, who you may remember from, uh, uh, Twitter from 2015. This guy's been around a long time. The reason, well, let's pull it up here so we can see the full extent of the post. The reason why victims of Alan Winston Fillion are not being contacted is because of his accomplices. They have to build a case for each person who purchased the service. They then send that to a grand jury for charging. Great again. Uh, number one Indiana dad, thank you very much, brother. I appreciate you. So for every single case, they have to build the case. They have to connect his hiring to do the swatting to the person who actually did it, because then that person is going to be charged as well. They will also be brought in and treated in the same way as uh, Alan Fillion or Alan Winston Fillion is. So they have to confiscate these devices one by one, connect the person back to the device that they used. Uh, think of it like a network of, uh, of terrorists, a network of terrorists that are working together all around the country. Uh, this is obviously perfect job for the FBI. I mean, quite literally, this is the, the thing they do. The funny thing is though, because these are conservatives that have been targeted, I'm not so confident about the FBI's willingness to go ahead and do this and ensure that people actually pay for what they've done. But we live in a digital society. Everyone is using a digital device, a computer of some type, a, a, a pad, you know, a, a tablet. So these devices are connected to our online digital footprints. There's no way to do this 
entirely without leaving a digital fingerprint somewhere. So I know that people like to think that they can be completely anonymous, but when it comes to the federal government and our spying institutions, you better believe it, they're going to know exactly who you are speaking with and where you're going. And even if you have a burner device, I've talked about this before. Let's say you have your main phone. That phone is what you use to do all of your personal stuff, your work stuff. But you want to have a burner phone that they're not going to be able to trace back to you. They're sophisticated enough that where if you have your burner phone on in the same location as your regular phone, the proximity of those devices together is going to be enough for them to make the connection and figure out that you are using a second device and perhaps that's what you're doing things that you don't want people to know about on. So truthfully, there's no way to escape. And if they don't get these people, uh, then there's only one reason they don't. It's because they don't want to. So I look forward to seeing what comes of this investigation with uh, this many swattings. And the fact that he was farming them out for money, uh, there's quite a high likelihood that uh, they're going to know exactly who all these people are. Uh, and if they don't get them by the phone, then they can easily get them by the uh, MAC address of their device going to the website. Uh, they can get that detail from the Internet service providers. Uh, there's just endless opportunity for it. All right. So. President Trump's trial in Washington, D.C. We talked about this a little bit yesterday. Uh, Judge Chutkin was discussing the fact that uh, she believes it will happen before the election. However, the case itself may stretch into the summer and perhaps be ongoing at the time of the election. So these were in remarks to a conference for another case. Uh, she acknowledged that President Trump's trial could extend deep into 2024, uh, however, there are significant uncertainties when it comes to this timeline, largely because President Trump had an ongoing case with the U.S. Federal Court of Appeals uh, to secure his immunity for the supposed illegal acts that Jack Smith and the deep state have claimed President Trump engaged in. So U.S. District Judge, Judge Tanya Chutkin was speaking with attorneys in another criminal case uh, because she intends to be out of the country in early August. She said, I hope not to be in the country on August 5th. Uh, she was stating this because if she is stateside, that's going to mean that if she's in trial for another matter uh, that is not yet returned to my calendar, that means that she won't be able to do anything else. And it kind of puts everything uh, uh, on the docket on hold. So this is a clear reference to the Trump case, uh, because as we reported yesterday, it was on hold. However, the U.S. Court of Appeals came back with a decision today, and in a unanimous verdict, uh, they denied President Trump's immunity. Now, this is not the end of this case. You better believe this is going to move on to the Supreme Court almost immediately. But there are nothing but Biden-appointed judges on this court, and President Trump is very quickly going to be forced to file with the U.S. Supreme Court to overturn this decision decision by the corrupt Washington, D.C. Court of Appeals. Uh, the 4th of March trial date for Jack Smith's case is still postponed. Uh, 
So as far as it stands right now, we don't know when everything, if it does, will take place. But the D.C. District Court of Appeals is a three-judge panel, and they unanimously wrote a decision denying President Trump the right to presidential immunity. We have Florence Pan. Pan is a Biden appointee. Michelle Childs is also a Biden appointee. And Karen Henderson, which is a George W. Bush appointee. The decision itself was written without any attribution to the author. However, they all definitely do not believe President Trump should have any sort of immunity. Uh, from the decision, we have balanced former President Trump's asserted interests in executive immunity against the vital public interests that favor allowing this prosecution to proceed. We conclude that concerns of public policy, especially as illuminated by our history and the structure of our government, compelled the rejection of this claim of immunity in this case. President Trump's lawyers, for his part, argued that he is immune from federal prosecution for the alleged crimes that were committed while he served as president. And to be fair, that has been the way things like this have been handled since time immemorial. In 234 years of history, we have never had a case where a president has ever faced criminal prosecution for any of his official acts. And, of course, President Trump is the very first one who has ever found himself to be in this position. Also, no appellate court has addressed it, but now they have. So this uh, unless this is challenged by the Supreme Court and they hand down a ruling that, yes, in fact, President Trump does have immunity. Everything that he did during the course of his official duties mean that he can't be charged with a crime that was allegedly committed during that time because he was the freaking president of the United States then that means that every other president is open to the same exact sort of malicious prosecution. So this three-judge panel had heard the arguments back in January, and apparently they were unmoved uh, from the re- from the response by President Trump. Uh, he said, if immunity is not granted to a president, Every president that leaves office will be immediately indicted by the opposing party. Without complete immunity, a president of the United States would not be able to function properly. He continued as in regards to the ruling today. A president of the United States must have full immunity in order to properly function and do what has to be done for the good of the country. A nation-destroying ruling like this cannot be allowed to stand. If not overturned, as it should be, this decision would be terrible injury would leave terrible injury not only to the presidency but the life breath and success of this country a president will be afraid to act for fear of the opposition party's vicious retribution after leaving office i know from personal experience because i am going through it right now it will become a political weapon used for election interference. Even our elections will be corrupted and under siege, as they already are. So bad and so dangerous for our nation, save presidential immunity. Now, I find it very difficult to imagine a world where the Supreme Court does not overturn this and stand with that 234 years of precedent, which have been widely accepted uh, in the system we have set up here. But I have to be honest with you, at this point, you never know. Uh, if they do allow for President Trump to be prosecuted and not receive the immunity that he, I believe he definitely should have, 
then it will truly open up the can of worms, uh, this Pandora's box, if you will, like President Trump suggests. Every other president that holds office after President Trump will now be in a state where they won't be able to act effectively. Everything they do is then going to be called into question by the opposition party as soon as they leave the office of the presidency. At the end of every single presidency, they would have to offer themselves a full universal pardon uh, to ensure that they would not be prosecuted as soon as they leave office. That just leaves such a bad taste in my mouth. So I'm going to trust in the judicious uh, uh, consideration of the U.S. Supreme Court and just say early on that I think they're going to overturn this. Uh, I think that uh, the reason, the only reason they found against Trump is because these people are part of that group of uh, judges and, and political elites who hate Donald Trump, and they were hoping that this would uh, end with them. However, it's just not going to be that way. Uh, Jim Kyle says, in my uh, it's my opinion that all of you truthers should band together and start your own major media network. Maybe Badlands could be the leader. So here's the thing, Jim. That is essentially what we're doing with Badlands. But you also have to remember that not every quote-unquote truther is going to be cut from the same cloth or even have the same goals or the same commitment to the truth. I think at best, what we can hope for is smaller groups of, uh, of citizen journalists to create their own small scale organization. I think the more of those that we have, the better. I think that competition is good for the marketplace. And I think that there are a lot of people out there who I wouldn't want to be associated with, frankly. So I think that uh, we're going in the right direction with Badlands. And I would suggest that other uh, small scale citizen journalists consider doing the same thing and use that as uh, the impetus to ensure that they report on things truthfully and accurately and as honorably as possible. But thank you very much, Jim. I appreciate you. Continuing on, you know, what are we talking about here? This is this is political persecution. This is interference that has been put in place by the opposition party. It is a politicization of our entire system. And the ironic, ironic nature of this New York Times journalist complaining that it's Republicans who have reduced impeachment to a partisan political weapon is hilarious because that's exactly what just happened to President Trump. He was impeached twice while he was president, once when he was president, then once after he was no longer president. And it was the definition of a partisan political weapon. The only reason he was impeached is because those people in Congress hated him. Now, Peter Baker of the New York Times seems to believe that Republicans who are trying to impeach Biden, Alejandro Mayorkas, and the other various heads of federal agencies who have quite literally abdicated their responsibility to the American people and to the U.S. Constitution, that that is a partisan political weapon. This is not simply about some tit for tat. This is not just, hey, you impeached our guy, so we're going to impeach your guy. No, they impeached President Trump because they hated him. They impeached President Trump because they wanted to stop him. They impeached President Trump because they could not stand the America First agenda. 
the impeachment of Joe Biden, Alejandro Mayorkas, and any other federal head who is currently destroying America is truly about high crimes and misdemeanors. Uh, what, what more literal definition of crimes and misdemeanors could there be than willfully ignoring the law or demanding that your subordinates not actually enforce that law? What about the opening of the southern border? Uh, what about the uh, allowing of millions of undocumented illegals to enter the country and put an undue burden on a whole host of cities and just the people of this country in general. I can think of no better reason to impeach the people who are currently sitting in the in the seat of power in Washington, D.C. The Democrats, having impeached Donald Trump twice, never had a crime never had any real tangible reason that they could point to that made sense to anyone. But in the House right now, that vote for Alejandro Mayorkas' impeachment is taking place today. President Biden, he was engaged in 50-plus years of political maneuvering, of selling American policy to the highest bidder, of enriching himself on his access to power, and policymaking. Uh, he set his son up with foreign nations, spy agencies, governments of foreign countries, so that they could sell the Biden name for tens of millions of dollars. No, there is actual reason to impeach Joe Biden here. There was not reason to impeach Donald Trump. So uh, once again, this is a, a case of projection the idea that Republicans have turned impeachment into a partisan political weapon, uh, that was done long ago by the Democrats in Congress. That has not been done by them. Now, speaking of which, I wanted to go right into the situation with Mayorkas, but I don't know where the vote is. Uh, let's see. Trump's lawyers messed up with the immunity case. They allowed the prosecution to introduce an action Outside the presidential duties, low, low killing a political opponent. I'm sorry, Glenn, I don't understand. Trump's lawyers messed up with the immunity case. They allowed the prosecution to introduce an action outside the presidential duties. Killing a political opponent. I, I'm, I don't, I don't, I don't get the, I don't get the, um, I don't get the reference on the end of it. I, I'm not aware of President Trump's lawyers allowing any specific evidence to be introduced. Um, I would. Uh, I, yeah. So if you can give me, I'll send the link. OK, thank you. Kick dreaming. Please send it over. Um, but here's the thing. Even though it may appear that President Trump's lawyers screwed up if they did allow something that shouldn't or if they did not. See, they have to object to something. If they failed to object to something that the government entered into evidence, um, I, I believe that there's a strong possibility that could have been done on purpose because that would mean that the, uh, uh, the appeals court was just going to do the bidding of the Biden regime. The American people see that and it appears to be even more rigged than it already is. And if the point of the exercise is for America to wake up and to recognize how corrupt this system is, they have to see its corruption 
stated plainly. They have to see the corruption in action. And so here we go. We're seeing it happen right now. Uh, we'll see what happens once they get to the Supreme Court level. Um, but uh, yes. Uh, OK, kick dreaming. Thank you very much. Oh, it's a video. I thought it was going to be an I, I was thinking it was going to be an article, but hang on. Let's take a look. Oh, this is the Mayorkas vote. All right. So we've got 216 motions to suspend the rules and pass as amended. This No, this is the Chesapeake and Ohio Historical Park Commission. <laughs> uh, yes. Hold on. Seconds. The question is what. Okay, so is this the actual Mayorkas vote, or is this a vote on something else? All right, hang on just a second. Let's 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 take a look because if it's taken place, then the vote will have been reported on. Okay. All right. So initially it looked like the vote was going to go through. <clears throat> but then we had a turncoat. Ken Buck and Tom McClintock both declared their intentions to vote against the re- resolution. So mm, that's going to be a three vote majority. So as long as everybody else votes for it, then it would go through. Uh You're officially named one of the impeachment managers uh, coming up for a potential Senate. What's your game plan? What will be the message you'll want to deliver over there? Well, the first thing we need to do is impeach Secretary Mayorkas on the House floor today. We'll be having a debate later today and then holding a floor vote. Uh, This is historic, but it's extremely important. Secretary Mayorkas has willfully broken his oath of office. Yeah, I, I don't see how they can't impeach him i I, even without buck and mcclintock i I think that there's only one way to go so we also have an update in president trump's civil case for fraud in the uh, city of new york this is uh, allegedly a twist arthur and gorin the the um the selfie Bathroom-loving judge Arthur and Gorin is now demanding information about possible perjury by Trump Organization CFO Alan Weisselberg. He's been working on this verdict for quite some time, and this verdict is illegitimate on its face because there was no jury, and Gorin went into the trial saying that Trump was already guilty. It was 11 weeks of testimony and badgering by the prosecution, suggestions that a victimless crime had been committed. And because just because nobody had uh, any problem with it didn't mean that it was still illegal. So they should take all of President Trump's money and, of course, uh, destroy the Trump administration. So the judge cited a report from The New York Times on the plea deal that Alan Weisselberg took with prosecutors. In that plea deal, uh, he is going to admit to lying on the witness stand in Manhattan Superior Court. And Weisselberg will also have to admit that he lied to Letitia James's investigators 
as part of his plea deal with the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. If you will recall, Weisselberg was railroaded by New York Supreme Court Judge Juan Merchant after he was indicted on tax crimes. So according to the indictment, Weisselberg was accused of sweeping and audacious tax fraud schemes for receiving $1.7 million in illegally received tax-free perks like apartments and car leases. Total bullshit. So he was railroaded. They forced him to plead guilty or else they were going to put him away. Uh, he pled guilty to all 15 tax crime felonies in exchange for a reduced sentence in a plea deal with prosecutors. So he was also required to testify as a witness. Now, the judge in the New York Supreme Court ultimately sentenced Weiselberg to five months in Rikers Island back in August of 2022. So prosecutors are now turning the screws up on Weiselberg again, and they're hoping to use information he would provide to them at the 11th hour in the civil fraud case against President Trump. So in Gorin, in an email to attorneys that was made public earlier today, said that if Weiselberg had lied in one aspect of his testimony, the judge might disregard anything Weiselberg has said on this witness stand or to investigators. Uh, he flagged a New York Times report last week saying that Weiselberg is currently negotiating with Manhattan DA's office uh, to testify. And the report is stating that Weiselberg, again, would have to admit that he lied during his testimony at Trump's fraud trial. Weiselberg would also say he lied during uh, while he was under oath uh, in an interview with Letitia James in the New York AG's office. Now, and Gorin has already ruled that President Trump engaged in fraud. Uh, and uh, it's just a question of how much money is Gorin going to claim that President Trump needs to pay? Uh, Letitia James wants three hundred and seventy million dollars in damages. Uh, there, again, there is no, there's no victim in this case. So this is just an effort to siphon off as much money from President Trump as possible, essentially bankrupt him and make him unable to pay for his ongoing legal expenses. President Trump, his children, they did nothing wrong. They did not lie about anything. This is all a, I mean, talk about witch hunt. This is a witch hunt in a civil manner, in the same way that every other investigation into President Trump was a witch hunt from every direction. Now, she initially only wanted $250 million. But now, after hearing all this testimony from bank managers who had no problem lending President Trump the money and getting all of that money back, she says now he must pay even more in addition to increasing the amount of damages that she wants him to pay, she's also, again, seeking a lifetime ban from President Trump operating in the real estate industry. Uh, this would, of course, mean that President Trump would have to sell all of his iconic buildings or he would have to transfer ownership to someone else. I'm not exactly certain on what the ownership trail uh, paper trail is for all of these buildings it is it the Trump the Trump organization that owns them? Does President Trump have his own name on these buildings? Does he already have them transferred into a trust or something like that? This is going to be messy. And it's uh, it's certainly designed to destroy President Trump and, and to subvert his businesses and, of course, the, the will of the people. Now, in Congress, they are introducing legislation which will reaffirm that President Trump 
did not lead an insurrection. They're going to be also uh, allegedly going on record to reject the lies of January 6th and, of course, to back up Trump in Congress. Uh, conservative media and, of course, some congressmen are willing to set the record straight, but the majority of America uh has uh has been fed this lie over and over and over again i would say that probably 80% of the country understands the true nature of what happened on january 6th i don't think that this is as widespread as the mainstream media would have you believe you, you hear kamala harris suggesting that january 6th is as bad as pearl harbor or 911 and you just roll your eyes but they, uh, Matt Gates is leading a delegation who said, we are here today to authoritatively express that President Trump did not commit an insurrection, and we believe Congress has the unique role in making that declaration. Uh, ideally, this would put a stop to any of the efforts in uh, a number of states to try to remove President Trump from the ballot. They can create pass a law saying that President Trump did nothing wrong. I mean, it's a little bit extreme, if you ask me, uh, but it, it, it could potentially lay the legal groundwork for them to no longer uh, try to remove President Trump from the ballot. So we've got a number of uh, uh, conservative warriors that are attached to this. As I said, uh, Matt Gates. We've also got Andy Biggs. Uh, Andy Biggs also presented proof that President Trump was innocent by reading his statements from January 6th. Stay peaceful. Please support our Capitol Police and law enforcement. He asked everybody to go home after asking them again to remain peaceful. Marjorie Taylor Greene is also associated with it. Uh, it really is a ceremonial uh, sort of action more than anything else. But in today's day and age, uh, <laughs> they're making themselves necessary. All right, so. Let's talk about the situation at the border. Now, you know how we feel about this border invasion bill. Congress is rejecting it. The House has already said it's going to be dead on arrival. James Langford is essentially spinning his wheels, going around and doing a media tour to try to drum up interest and support for this bill. So you might be forgiven for asking, you know, but what about the rank and file of the Border Patrol? Uh, well, apparently their words are rather strong. Uh, we've got a number of rank and file Border Patrol agents who are openly criticizing this border invasion bill that we finally got our eyes on this past Sunday. The National Emergency Security Supplemental Appropriations Act of 2024 is going to allocate additional funding for the personnel at the border and the DHS also detention beds for immigration and customs enforcement, uh, new facilities, uh, also expel certain illegal migrants and enhance fentanyl interdiction. However, at the end of the day, it's also going to do a whole bunch of other really bad things, uh, including uh, not expelling immigrants that are from Mexico or South America. That means that if they're coming from China or they're coming from the Middle East or they're coming from Africa, they would get a chance to stay indefinitely. So that that 5000 number that Langford was trying to push, uh, it's going to be a, a lot more than that now. These rank and file Border Patrol agents spoke uh, to the Daily Caller and they said that the catch and release of illegal immigrants is going to continue if this bill is implemented because it allows for the release of family units and single adults that show a credible fear of persecution should they return home. Now that I've seen more of it, 
they can respectfully go F themselves. The more I'm seeing, the more it just puts what they've been doing in writing. You want to shut this down. It's real easy. Team up with the Department of Defense and DHS and let us enforce it like we are supposed to. I feel like we are the only nation in the world that is this dumb about the border. Maybe it's because we haven't been enforcing it. And the Border Patrol Union has endorsed the portion of the deal providing funding for border security. They say, hey, it's not perfect, but it's far better than the status quo. This is the big lie about the border, that they need any additional money over and above what's already been allocated. Uh, they're simply not using the money effectively that Congress has already given them. They're also not using their personnel effectively. Uh, the bill would mandate that one member of each family released from border control, border patrol custody would be tracked using alternatives to detention. That means putting an ankle monitor on them, giving them a phone, giving them a wristwatch to monitor their location while they're in the country. Is there anybody out there that doesn't think they'll just take the watch off or they'll throw out the phone and get another one or they'll just cut the ankle monitor off? Uh, there is uh, uh, a number of people who have read this bill in its entirety, and it's just bad from top to bottom. There is nothing about this bill that screams border patrol or the protection of our national security. It's just uh, the legalization of a series of wish lists that the Democrats and rhinos have had for quite some time under the guise of border patrol security. James Langford is a traitor to his country. He's a traitor to his party. And the people of Oklahoma are more than likely going to vote him out of office. Now, he's really upset that people got to look at this bill before they had a chance to vote on it and that they've been honestly speaking about what the contents of this bill include. And now he's been giving interviews and uh, he's specifically blaming Elon Musk because Elon Musk shown a big flashlight on it and wanted people to take a look at it. I think one of the most uh, obvious and egregious sections of this is that you get more money for other countries than you do for our own border. And of course, this idea that 5,000 illegals are going to be allotted to come into the country every single day. Uh, that 5,000 number, how are they going to track that? You've got more than that coming in every single day through non-official sections of the border, just climbing the fence or crawling through holes in the wall or coming through tunnels in the ground. Uh, the bill itself was largely written by two Democrats, and Langford appears to be basically a Democrat himself. Let, let's see what his response is, uh, let's see, Elon Musk here. Well, Elon Musk put out a series of tweets uh, and Matt Walsh says that the necessary all that's necessary to secure the border uh, is to start enforcing the law. Yes, that's been uh, our point for quite some time. Elon Musk also said in the bet you didn't know category, Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas issued written guidance making it clear. Number one. Illegal presence alone is not grounds for deportation. Uh, however, that's the only thing that needs to be the case. If you're here illegally, you should be deported. Number two, criminal charges, convictions, or gang membership alone are not enough for deportation. So basically, you have to be a convicted axe murderer 
to get deported. But the truth is, you may not even be deported if you have those two things in common. We've had situations uh, almost daily that are being reported in New York. A, a group of Venezuelan illegals that were in a gang were driving a moped through the streets of New York and they were robbing people. Well, they grabbed this woman's purse, 62 year old woman, grabbed her purse and they dragged her body along with the moped speeding along at maybe 35 miles an hour. She smashed into uh, uh, a meter, uh, a parking meter. Who knows what her injuries are? Those guys were ended up uh, being apprehended, but the speed with which they were apprehended indicates that the city of New York knew exactly where to go to find them. So they could go and round up every single illegal as it stands today and deport them the hell out of America. Uh, Speaker Johnson, of course, suggesting that this bill is going nowhere. Uh, Elon Musk sharing that. Uh, Elon Musk also sharing a page from this bill. Uh, $2.3 billion uh, for the Department of Health and Human Services for the Administration of Children and Families Refugee Resettlement Act. That would be assistance paid out to these families as they come illegally into the country. Uh, Elon says NGO personnel who deliberately and repeatedly broke the law to facilitate illegal immigration should face prosecution immediately. And I would say that U.S. government officials who also facilitated the illegal acts taking place at our southern border. Alejandro Mayorkas allegedly went down to the Darien Gap, where they had set up these uh, the, these refugee uh, centers where Chinese refugees, well, not even refugees, Chinese illegals crossing through the Darien Gap to make their way into the United States. Alejandro Mayorkas went down there and gave them a boatload of cash so that they, the Chinese, would be safe and comfortable and have everything they need to make their way up to the southern border. So here is James Langford responding to Elon Musk blowing this lid up. Here's a claim being circulated on Twitter or X by Elon Musk, who posted, quote, the long-term goal of the so-called border security bill is enabling illegals to vote. It will do the total opposite of securing the border, unquote. Now, I know that Elon Musk is not an expert on illegal immigration or the border, but he has a huge megaphone. Um, he does. Explain what he's talking about here. Is he wrong? Uh, well, I, I think he needs to go back to doing the two million Teslas that are currently being recalled right now to be able to focus in on that. No, it's not. OK, first of all, the two million Teslas, it's a security update or excuse me, it's a software update. All they need to do, they put out a recall. They let Tesla owners know that the federal government has recently changed the mandate on how large the icons have to be for certain things. People can do an over the air software update. So the idea that. Two million Teslas have to be brought back to the dealership and Elon's going to take possession of them is total garbage. Just on trying to be able to get more illegals to vote. That's absurd uh, in the process. On It is against the law for anyone that is not a citizen of the United States to be able to vote in the United States in any federal election. That remains so. Obviously, we're not dealing with that. It, it is against the law. Langford, Senator Langford. But here's the thing. Senator Langford has been working in the background unbeknownst to his constituents on a plan that would offer amnesty 
to every single person who's here illegally. So as soon as they're offered amnesty, they would then have the legal right in the United States of America to cast a ballot for whomever they so choose. And obviously, those ballots would, uh, for these people, ideally be placed in the, uh, in the column for Democrats. What's really interesting is that Mitch McConnell supported James Langford. He supported Langford's efforts to make this quote unquote bipartisan election or excuse me, border security bill. But now because everybody has seen it and they know, hey, we're not going to vote for this. We're not going to support it. He's now urging the senators on the Republican caucus to block the bill. He says the political mood in the country has changed. Uh that's obviously a bit of uh, obfuscation there on behalf of Mitch McConnell. It's not that the political mood has changed. We have been pissed off about the border for years now, ever since Joe Biden waltzed into Washington, D.C. and opened the doors and told people, come on in. We're going to let you get inside this place and then we're going to do whatever we can to help you out. We'll give you a credit card. We'll give you a phone. We'll give you an ankle monitor. Heck, come on up. Bring your whole family. The political mood hasn't changed. The people of America are paying attention. The people of America understand the tricks of the rhinos and the Democrats of the deep state. They understand the way things are done in Washington now. That's what's changed, Mitch McConnell. People are not going to allow you to get away with it. So this development comes after a closed-door meeting where McConnell sat down with Republicans in the Senate, suggested that the political climate has changed and that they should probably renegotiate uh, a different bill because there's no way that they're going to get the 60 necessary votes to move this forward. Uh, and uh, they're never going to get it through the House of Representatives either. So McConnell recommended GOCP senators behind closed doors block the bill on Wednesday uh, and that most Republicans are preparing to vote no, either because they oppose the bill or they want more time. I hope the majority of them, it's because they oppose the bill, because there is nothing good in this bill. There is nothing that will secure the border in this bill. Warrior Mima says, we've been pissed off about the border since before Trump was in office. He was our hope. Oh, yes. No. I'm talking about, I guess, the current mood in regards to the border. The issue with the border has been a problem for years. Uh, I don't even know when. I mean, like, you know, as long as they've had the, the southern border open at any place where people could cross, it's, it's been an issue. Uh, but the current situation that we're dealing with, obviously, Joe, Joe Biden's current regime, uh, Glenn MMS, 214 to 216, one envy. It failed on Mayorkas. It failed on Mayorkas. So, cheese of pizza. Okay, so they could not impeach Alejandro Mayorkas. Two Republicans, cheese of pizza. Well, I guess I, I, I shouldn't be surprised. Should not be surprised. These people are nothing if not dependable. Dependable in their complete and utter ability to screw the pooch and protect their own. Man, I, I hope that pisses people off. Hope that pisses people off. Uh, so this vote is going nowhere. And that means that Alejandro Mayorkas is not going to be held accountable for his handling of the southern border. Uh, the American people are going to continue to watch as more illegals stream through that southern border and as they overwhelm city centers all around the country. Now, 
as a result of Senator Langford's attempts to snowball the American people and sneak through this border invasion bill, uh, a 2010 deposition has come back up to the surface and it's sparking outrage because in that deposition, Senator Langford stated in no uncertain terms that 13 year olds, 13 year old girls can consent to sex. Now, I think it's worth getting the context of these questions and answers that he was giving. But back when he gave this deposition, uh, he had been questioned about a, a lawsuit that was brought against a 15-year-old who was an attendee at the summer camp that Langford worked at. So while he was uh, working in this position of authority at the summer camp, a 15-year-old had sex with a 13-year-old. This was a youth program at Falls Creek Baptist Conference Center. And the parents of the 13-year-old girl allege that this was a sexual assault. Langford was overseeing this camp. I don't know if he was considered like the director or something like that. Uh, And he had no direct knowledge of this sexual activity that was taking place. Uh, But obviously the parents were pissed. If I was the father of a 13-year-old girl who was forced into a sexual situation by a 15-year-old boy, I know that's only two years, but 13 years old is way too young. And obviously at 15, uh, a boy of that age is going to be hornier than uh, a a dog in heat, basically. And so that's uh, a situation that should never have been allowed to be entered into. Uh, And it's reasonable to assume that there is some level of culpability against that 15-year-old. What's uh, legal in the state of Oklahoma is is that, you know, if they're both under 18, uh, the age of consent is 16. But if they're between the ages of 14 and 17, they make an allowance for that because they figure by the age of 14, okay, fine, you you hit that magical age. Um, But 13-year-olds do not count. Those are still going to count as children. Uh, Now, Senator Langford said that he believes it is uh, totally permissible for a 13-year-old to consent to sex. They didn't specify with a 15-year-old or with an 18-year-old, but he just said that 13-year-old girls can consent to sex. For a lot of people, that leaves a bad taste in their mouth, especially as a father. He was specifically asked about that opinion. As a father, do you believe a 13-year-old can consent to sex? And he said, sure. He had no problem with it. So the question I asked in the title of this uh, show today is uh, is there perhaps some secret blackmail that the Democrats have on Senator Langford? Because the actions he took in the crafting of this bill uh, seem to be just spectacularly deaf and dumb, completely ignoring the political climate in America and the, the overwhelming desire of American citizens to have a return to law and order, to, to simply enforce the laws that we already have on the books. There is no need for additional laws. There's no need for additional money. The border wall was already paid for. Joe Biden sold that off. We have ample employment 
inside the federal government to handle the situation at the southern border. The problem is that they have allowed these people to come in without checking them. And now they're overwhelming these city centers all across America. There, There is uh, enough people who are employed in various agencies throughout the federal government to handle this problem as it is. We don't need an additional $20 billion. What was it? Donald Trump wanted to pay for the wall. He said it was $4 billion. Now they tell us they can only fix it if we give them 20 and if we give 60 to Ukraine and if we give another 10 to Israel, BS. It's not necessary. Any of it. None of it is necessary. Enforce the laws as they exist. And Senator Langford now has a problem with saying that 13-year-olds can consent to sex. A lot of people are very uncomfortable with this suggestion. This is back in 2009. So the parents of the 13-year-old uh, allege that the 15-year-old coerced the 13-year-old into having sex. Uh, they sued the 15-year-old, and they may have ended up suing the camp as well for uh, allowing this to happen, or at the very least, neglecting to protect the interests of that 13-year-old girl who was under their protection. Uh, when he was asked about 13-year-olds consenting, he said, yes, I think they can. And then asked if you answer that question in the terms of your position as a father. Lankford maintained his stance. Yes, they can. Uh, back in 2018, it was also revealed that Lankford at that time was working on a deal to give amnesty to illegals that were here in America. So Langford perhaps was the perfect person to put this bill together and try to get it past the American people and try to get it past senators and uh, House members. Because now everybody's looking at everything he's doing and has done with a fine-tooth comb. And it probably means that Langford's career in politics is over. The Oklahoma GOP, as we announced uh, last week, have already filed a resolution condemning his actions and stating that he needs to get the hell out of Dodge. They are not going to reelect him. And Senator Langford is more than likely going to end up joining a law firm in the private sector once all is said and done. Yeah, I can see that you agree with me in the chat. If Langford thinks a 13-year-old can consent then he's a sicko. No father would say that. Yeah, I, I find that to be highly suspicious. There's absolutely no way at 13 years old I would have said that my daughter could consent to sex. Uh, that is far too young, far too young. And for Langford to believe on any level that that's okay, it indicates to me that he has a lower threshold of morality than is required by both a father or the leader of a summer camp or even a sitting U.S. senator. And it means, in my opinion, that there is likely some blackmail material that Langford might be compromised by. For him to get out there and put this bill together and lie to the American people in the way that he has, I think that they've forced him to do it. Or... That just means that he was always, always uh, a rhino and never had the best interests of Americans at heart. I mean, again, you go back to 2018. He was already working on how to give amnesty to illegals that were here. He said he was working with uh, in secret with a bipartisan group. That just means that he was working with Democrats. 
So Langford, likely always a Democrat, might allegedly be a pedo. I'm not certain, but if it's out there, somebody's going to find it. We're going to go ahead and figure it out. Virgin Mary was 13, I believe. 2,000 years ago was a very different time. The lifespan of an average adult male was like 30, okay? Jesus lived well beyond his predicted lifespan. Uh, women at that time, it was a completely different scenario. People were living out in the desert, okay? It was a feudal society. Uh, Hunter-gatherer, uh, they were, they were, you know, uh, essentially, you know, Bedouins. They were wandering around. People became men and people became women at a much earlier age. So it's completely different, especially in today's society. Completely different. Uh, yes, I, I have no idea how old Mary was, but uh, Hazel Kitty says she was at least 15. I don't know. That young man's life is destroyed for thousands of years. 13-year-olds were getting married. Yeah, again, they were getting married. It's a completely different time. And in this specific instance, she was under the care of people outside of her family who were meant to be taking care of her and ensuring that something like this didn't happen. I'm not saying that people don't make mistakes and they shouldn't be able to uh, atone for them. Uh, But this kid was never charged criminally. This was a civil action, if I'm not mistaken. Um, But either way, uh, I think that James Langford believing that that was okay. I think that, that is uh, problematic at the very least. Now, somebody who gets it are the Italians. Uh, the deputy prime minister has suggested using chemical castration for convicted sex offenders after a 13-year-old girl was gang-raped by Egyptian migrants. Uh, I'm certain that no one is going to find anything noble in this particular story. Uh, yeah, just because 13-year-olds might be having sex doesn't mean that we should sanction it uh, or that we should excuse it. And certainly when a 13-year-old girl is raped by Muslim invaders, uh, that definitely should not be overlooked. So sexual deviancy is uh, quite often a tool that is used by those Muslim invaders. It's part of their jihad. The Quran okays it. They can go ahead and do whatever they want. They can conquer. They can rape. They can pillage. They can enslave. They can take advantage of. They go ahead and do whatever it is that they want. So violent sexual offenders tend to be part of these these uh, these Muslim invading groups that come into Western nations. Uh, we've seen it in the UK. We've seen it in many different areas around the world where they pour in. They end up uh, uh, setting up camp. They become a gang of roving rapists and child molesters, and then they protect each other. Uh, so the Italians are not having any of it. Uh, on January 30th, a 13-year-old girl and her 17-year-old boyfriend, that is, uh, again, also a an age disparity that makes me uncomfortable, uh, were subjected to a brutal attack. She was reportedly attacked and sexually assaulted by two of seven suspects. Uh, now, the others 
restrained her boyfriend in Stuttgart. They held onto her boyfriend and forced him to watch as they raped his girlfriend. Uh, passersby discovered the traumatized couple and quickly alerted the authorities. And they conducted a rape investigation with the cooperation of local police. One of the arrested individuals is cooperating. Uh, he's providing crucial information that assisted in the identification of the rest of the group. All of the reported individuals are Egyptian nationals. Three of them are minors, uh, and they're accused of aggregate, aggravated gang violence. Um, I also want to say that just because somebody is young, if they are involved in a heinous crime, sure, it's going to mess up their life. But what about the person they victimized? Uh, you know, what about the uh, the 13-year-old girl that allegedly engaged in sexual activity with the 15-year-old? We are not hearing from her. We don't know if she believes she was raped. We don't know any of the context of the situation, only the specific legalities that are in place in Oklahoma. Freight Awakening says, I'm confused. Mary never had sex, allegedly, hence the virgin part. So not sure what age she had Jesus seems irrelevant. Well, she did marry Joseph, though, and she had sex with Joseph, uh, I'm assuming, uh, but yes, the conception of Jesus, of course, is the virgin birth. That's part of the divinity of the whole situation. So it, it really doesn't have anything to do with people. People want to justify certain things. Uh, and I, I just I, I'm not willing to justify it. So they have testimony of some of the people who were involved in this rape. They have biological evidence. Uh, they have DNA evidence. They have matched positively with people who uh, were there. Uh, the arrested individuals originally entered Italy as minors. Uh, they were housed in uh, local structures due to legislation that prohibited their expulsion. Maybe now the Italian authorities will be willing to uh, demand and order their expulsion. So Deputy Prime Minister uh, Matteo Salvini expressed zero tolerance for any such acts and advocated for the controversial punishment of chemical castration. I personally don't think it's all that controversial. I think this is the natural solution. If you've got people who are raping, if you've got people who are molesting, um, if you're not going to chemically castrate them, I, I don't see why you wouldn't just want to physically castrate them. Uh, take care of it. Nip it in the bud, so to speak. Uh, when you have a 13-year-old girl gang-raped by seven Egyptian nationals there illegally in front of her boyfriend as he's forced to watch, it's one of the most heinous things I can possibly imagine. So uh, in the face of horrors of this kind, there can be no clemency, but only one cure, chemical castration. I hope the proposal represented by the League will be voted on as soon as possible. So this is a potential uh, real-life outcome that we may actually see. And again... If you chemically castrate somebody, you got to pay for it for the rest of their life. If you physically castrate them, it's a one and done. I'd say it is a win-win for everyone. That sicko never has to worry about the urge to rape someone ever again or molest a child. And then the state doesn't have to continue paying for an ongoing treatment to ensure that they don't rape or molest someone from here on out. And, of course, then there's the question... How long do you chemically castrate them for? If they're a rapist, do they automatically get castrated for the rest of their lives? Is it a life sentence? Is it only for, I don't know, 10 years or so? Uh, I, I think that ultimately it would make the most sense to just 
snip them for good, and then we wouldn't even have to worry about it. Uh, and I also think that it would be a, a tremendous deterrent to anybody else who might be thinking about raping and or molesting. I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think that that's a good idea? Should we physically castrate rapists and molesters? I think it's a good idea. Give me a one in the chat if you agree with me that that's a good idea. Another good piece of good news coming out of the European Union. Uh, the European Commission president, Ursula von Leiden, is planning to scrap the sustainable use regulation, which would have halved the use of fertilizer. No, execution only. All right. Death penalty. I mean, death penalty, definitely. Millstones. Yes, millstones. <laughs> millstones are are a worthy worthy punishment as well twitter canceled me for suggesting castration (laughs) here's the thing if you castrate them you can still make them of use to society and they would be a living testament to the fact that you never want to engage in that sort of behavior uh, I can certainly see cases where execution is 100% warranted. Um, but let's say that a, a woman is raped and as the punishment, the perpetrator is sentenced to physical castration. The rape victim gets to actually implement the punishment. She gets to cut his balls off. Would that change your mind? Or... Let's say uh, not everybody is going to be willing to pull the trigger or like, you know, the the rope. Number one, Indiana dad. Plus, you can make them eat their own Rocky Mountain oysters. <laughs> yes. And Hazel Kitty, that's what I'm talking about. Violent criminals should be free labor for life. I agree. I agree there. So, yeah, there is uh, all kinds of things that uh, all kinds of things that, that you could make useful out of uh, sick criminals like that. Uh, okay, so the situation in Europe has been phenomenal as far as I'm concerned. For months, we have seen video footage of farmers uh, piling up cow shit at politicians' homes and at government buildings. Uh, in France and in Germany, farmers crawled uh, onto the freeway and stopped traffic, essentially bringing the nations to a halt. Uh, you've seen farmers score a major victory against this globalist green agenda that the European Union was attempting to implement. These protests have been nothing short of unprecedented from east to west, from north to south. You've got a list of countries, France, the Netherlands, Poland, Romania, Spain, Portugal, Greece, Ireland, Italy, and of course, Belgium. Farmers converged on Brussels to protest in front of the European Parliament. Now, of course, the mainstream media largely characterized these protests as being about subsidies and protection against products from lesser regulated countries. But the core demand that united all of them was the rejection of the idea of global warmism, the climate alarmism that was threatening to destroy farmers in most of these countries, the policies and the regulations that were resulting from the supposed global warming hoax. 
is why they were going to destroy these farmers all across Europe. So the European Union is now being forced to withdraw from this plan, calling it a symbol of polarization. Our farmers deserve to be listened to. No shit, Sherlock. I know that they are worried about the future of agriculture and their future as farmers, but they also know that agriculture needs to move to a more sustainable model of production so that farms remain profitable in the years to come. Well, the only way they can do that is if you don't charge them up the ass and destroy their livelihood through the implementation of this green agenda. So besides protesting the rising costs that they were incurring, taxes, uh, and also, of course, the cheap food that was being imported from places like China, one main demand they had uh, is against the constraints that were placed on them to, quote unquote, fight climate change. Uh, the, the lobby that was result, that was representing them, Copa Kojika, uh, welcomed these comments from the European Union. The commission finally acknowledges that its approach was not the right one and so strengthens the credibility and importance of the current strategic dialogue. The lobby's president, Christian Lambert, said in a post on X, uh, this is not the first or only concession by the EU. Last week, the EU proposed an exemption on rules requiring farmers to leave part of their land fallow. Uh, Belgian's prime minister, Alexander de Croo, uh, welcomed that proposal. Uh, and in an attempt to undo the knot that farmers had tied around Europe's cities and roads, Ursula had also announced the withdrawal of the SUR, making that the first defeat of the Green New Deal in Europe. The so-called sustainable use regulations, these were first tabled in June of 2022 with the ambitious goal of slashing by half the use of pesticides by 2030. It also envisioned a total prohibition on products in sensitive areas, uh, such as urban green spaces and Natura 2000 sites, which has got to be a designation set up by the European Union. And it promoted the uptake of low-risk alternatives. Now, when we spoke about this before, the obvious problem uh, with modern farming techniques is, is if they don't use pesticides, if they don't have something to ensure that they have a high crop yield, then they're simply not going to be able to feed the people of these various countries. They say that chemical pesticides are said to constitute a major source of pollution. They actually do. Uh, they have also been linked to biodiversity loss, poor water quality, degraded soils, pest resistance, and chronic illness. So they can't just remove them from the equation, but then not have anything to take their place. The commission had proposed this sustainable use uh, uh, regulation uh, with the aim of including in, in improving the quality of the environment and, of course, ensuring that there wasn't ongoing pollution taking place. But they had nothing to implement in its place. So this truly was a symbol of polarization. Uh, and it was polarizing the uh, entire European Union to the point where they were going to put all these farmers out of business. There are answers to these questions, but they need to answer them before they implement something that is going to destroy the farmers. Because once those farmers go away, what's the answer? How are they going to feed the people of Europe? They won't. There will be a famine. There will be millions of people dying. And then they will use that as an opportunity to import a whole bunch more migrants from a variety of different sources. All right, you guys. Final story of the evening. Good news. A BLM protester who set fire to a Target 
during riots in the summer of love in Minneapolis has just been sentenced to 10 years in federal prison. He set fire to the Target corporate headquarters during the 2020 Minneapolis riots. There were live streams showing exactly what happened. Of course, Minneapolis police had shot and killed a man in downtown Minneapolis at the time. That sparked a riot. And then this was, of course, months after the George Floyd riots had already ravaged the city and destroyed hundreds of businesses, black-owned businesses, homes in the Minneapolis area. Uh, and Leroy Lamont Perry Williams, uh, who thought he was going to take advantage of that, uh, and uh, as one of a number of people who subsequently engaged in activity like arson, looting, uh, burglaries, assaulting police, uh, and all kinds of property damage uh, that continued throughout downtown Minneapolis and spread into the uh, larger suburban areas. But Williams and two other people were eventually charged in federal court with conspiracy to commit arson for the fire that damaged the Target Corporation's headquarters, uh, which was located at 1000 Nicolette Mall. Uh, here is surveillance footage showing him smashing the windows uh, and then engaging in the sort of lawless looting and rioting, which led to the destruction of Minneapolis and so many other major metropolitan areas all around the country. He was previously offered a plea deal on the arson charge back in January of 2021, but then he later withdrew the deal which led to a jury trial in October, and he was found guilty. Uh, he is uh, going to be followed by three years of supervised release after the 10 years in federal prison, which is great. Uh, his uh, co-defendants, Victor Devon Edwards and Shador Tommy Cortez Jackson, were previously sentenced to 100 months and 33 months, respectively, also in federal prison. Uh, and uh, I think that this is a win. I think this is a win for law and order. It shows that not everybody gets away with it if they want to engage in the sort of lawless criminal activity, like the burning down of businesses and the destruction of homes and uh, the, uh, the implements of capitalism, if you will. All right, we are at the end of the show. I am going to go ahead and go through the donations which are from the foxhole someone sent me an email and said why do you talk about cookies or talk about the the people who are watching your show your usual viewers i'm just going to be very honest here the people who donate to the show while i'm live uh, are deserving of specific recognition because if it wasn't for the small donations that I receive while I am live on the air, uh, I wouldn't be able to actually bring you a free show six days a week, multiple shows a day on a variety of different networks. So when, if you're listening at home and you're not watching live and you don't understand why I'm doing this, at the end of the show, I go through any donations that I've received, which are still uh, on screen and have yet to be recognized. So big ups. Thank you so much to the viewers on the foxhole who have sent these donations during the the, the program. Uh, when you hear a cookie or shades or a can, those names correspond to specific dollar amounts that the viewers over on the foxhole have donated. So uh, Cyber X Speed, thank you very much. Says no more mute gate. Just duckies, thank you for dropping a cookie. Uh, thank you to Porpoiseful. Thank you to Nakaz808. Aloha, dropping a pair of shades. Thank you to Off the Leash. Thank you to Lieutenant Cooker. Says thank you, Zach, for all you do, brother. 07. 
thank you to J2 Dank. Thank you to Just Duckies, who says, much love. I'm glad to be here and watching the floodwaters gather to eliminate the cabal. Uh, thank you to Raisin Kane for dropping some shades. Thank you to Sean Joe. Uh, thank you uh, to C.L. Goober. Uh, thanks again to Sean Joe a number of times. Mighty Patriot, appreciate that phone. Polly9363, thank you for the shades as well. Two more thank yous to Sean Joe. Thank you to Red Pill Ken. Good to see you. He says, is Lankford married to Ruthless Bader Ginsburg? A 13-year-old can consent to sex. Bill Clinton is so proud. They may be spiritual uh, uh, cousins or something like that. Uh, Porpoiseful, thank you. Porpoiseful, thank you to Good Dog 45. Uh, always bring it. Thank you, Zach. Thank you to You Saw It Here. Uh, thank you to Sean Joe for th- uh, one cookie and two cans. I really appreciate you, buddy. Thank you to everybody who supported the show. Even if you can't support the show financially, just by being here, participating in the chat, hitting the like button, or perhaps sharing it, you are uh, significantly helping out in our mission to get the truth and accountability to people like Senator Lankford, like Joseph Robinette Biden, like the many criminals of the deep state Washington political elites who think they can dictate our lives to us. They want to destroy us. They want to silence us. They want to take the remaining civil liberties, rights and liberties that we have, which are currently enshrined by the Constitution. To them, the Constitution is simply a piece of paper that if they had their way, they just wipe their ass with it. I'm not going to allow that to happen. I sincerely hope that you do not allow that to happen either. Andre 2121. Thank you so much, Andre. He says one more donation for being awesome. I appreciate you. So this is supposed to show up uh, on screen because Rumble uh, gave me the option of making that appear, but I don't see it. So thank you very much, Andre, for that final donation. I really appreciate it. CB Joey, bro, it's been too long since I seen you, man. How you doing? Uh, he says, uh, uh, F, F the haters, brother. <laughs> I don't know that this person was really a hater. He was just like confused because I think he was, he's, he's listening maybe to the audio podcast. Maybe he doesn't see the, the actual chat on screen. I will say if for some reason you can't watch the videos, the audio podcast does go out. If you listen on Google podcasts, Google podcasts is being retired and they are moving to YouTube music, which means that my podcast will no longer be available through any Google platforms because I am banned from YouTube. So I can't do my podcast on YouTube. I can't do it on YouTube music. So if you are listening to this on Google Podcasts, you're going to have to transition over to a different podcast platform. So thank you so much for that fleet, Joey. Thank you, Just Duckies, who says, it's the least I can do to help you out for all the work you do. I really appreciate it, bro. And then CL Goober dropped another cookie. So I'm going to pass out these gold pills, and then I'm going to go rest my voice and get some dinner. Lisa's got some chicken on. And there you go. Appreciate you guys being here. Thank you for hanging out with us today. Good luck. God bless. We'll see you here tomorrow for another episode of Red Pill News Live at 5 p.m. Eastern. Until then, bye-bye. When it comes to stubborn belly fat, we're all searching for a miracle pill. Generally, you have to use multiple products that target belly fat differently to manage excess weight around the stomach. Some products may focus on abdominal exercises or dietary changes, while others might focus on boosting metabolism or controlling cravings. But believe it or not, I may have found a solution that removes the need for juggling through multiple weight management products. It's called Belly Trim, and it's more effective at targeting belly fat, enhancing metabolism, and promoting a toned midsection better than most weight management products I've seen typically found on store shelves. Tens of thousands of five-star reviews back up the notion that Belly Trim is not only a breakthrough 
through in a bottle, but that it also removes the need for us to use countless diet pills and fat-burning supplements. But there's more. If you place your order for Belly Trim now, you'll also receive 51% off free VIP live health and fitness coaching for life, two free new e-books titled Top 10 Foods That Burn Belly Fat and Top 10 Exercises to Reduce Belly Fat, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee, and last but not least, free shipping. Simply go to www.trimwithus.com. That's www.trimwithus.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's www.trimwithus.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. Talk to enough people, and you'll soon realize nearly everyone's shocked at their recent electricity bills. Some studies reveal energy costs have skyrocketed by as high as 60% in as little as two years. That's why tens of thousands are installing this magical little device from SavePowerBills.com to help slash their energy bills. This sophisticated gadget stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your appliances and electronics. Simply plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this device is one of the most efficient ways to save money while beating the greedy power companies. But there's more. If you order now, you'll also receive 65% off, fast shipping within the USA, hassle-free returns, and last but not least, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee. Just go to SavePowerBills.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's SavePowerBills.com. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Just recently, a politician was carjacked by three armed attackers outside his home in Washington, D.C. This comes several months after another politician was assaulted in the elevator of her building. Between mass shootings, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjackings, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare flashlight. The Fighter Flare flashlight has awed people with a wonderful design and massive light output. On top of an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, it boasts powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope cutter, siren, and much more. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this flashlight is the latest and greatest in the EDC market. But there's more. If you place your order for the Fighter Flare flashlight now, you'll also receive 66% off, free express shipping, and last but not least, a 100% lifetime guaranteed replacement. Simply go to www.fighterflare.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. www.fighterflare.com. Order now.